0: car weekend preview and we are previewing Daytona the Daytona Road course for today's races uh, joining me for as co-host for tonight is Jay Hughesman welcome to the show Jay
1: Well thank you Sharon I know we've talked a lot about 2020 and we don't know what's going to happen and that's what we're going to preview tonight is we don't know what's going to happen at <laughs> Daytona <laughs> International Speedway Road course. <laughs>
0: Exactly right. It's uh, it's an unknown for everyone. Uh, there are some that might have a little bit of an edge, but we'll talk about that during our preview. We'll start with the Arca Menard Series. They're racing at the road, road course at Daytona this weekend, uh, and we'll preview their race during the first half hour, as well as giving a couple of updates from the Arca East and West. In the next half hour, starting at 9 o'clock, we'll preview the Gander RV an outdoor truck series <clears throat> in their race at uh, at uh, the Daytona Road Course, and then right after that we'll get into the Xfinity series at the Road Course at Daytona. Now we'll start the RV uh, truck series at nine o'clock. The Xfinity series will start at nine twenty. At nine forty. We'll get into the NASCAR Cup Series at the Daytona Road Course. Then, 10 o'clock, of course, is our Hot Topic Sound Off and our Fan for Racing crew. Andy will not be able to join us tonight, but uh, joining us, uh, as far as I know, is going to be Mike Orzel.
1: Okay, I hadn't heard from either one of them. Apparently, you did hear from Andy. I know he's been pretty busy, but. Uh hopefully we do at least have mike i know you were advertising to bring popcorn i don't know if we got any that hot topics tonight but somehow between us we always provide the entertainment so popcorn is always a good thing to go with it
0: absolutely okay so with that let's go ahead and get started I want to get right into the ARCA Racing Series at the Daytona Road Course. Uh, The championship is uh, on the line. There's just four points between uh, Michael Self and Brett Holmes, and uh, I think that in this particular race we might give that advantage to Michael Self, and I'll tell you why in just a few minutes. Uh, The General Tire 100 at the Daytona Road Course is this Friday, August the 14th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time? Now, television coverage is going to be on MAV TV, and then if you're a member of the NASCAR Gold Track Pass, you'll also be able to watch there. Also, the MRN and SiriusXM channel 385 will, as well as the online channel 985, <coughs> will, <coughs> excuse me, will also carry. Uh, that race live they'll be racing the 3.61 mile paved road course and uh, there will be a uh, practice session from 2 to 3 p.m. and then of course the general tire 100 at the Daytona road course starts at five o'clock so uh, definitely tune in for this one because it's going to be exciting Uh, they'll be the first series to be on that road course this weekend
1: Well, and and something you hit hit on there, I think uh, we already got a hot topic we can throw out for later tonight. You mentioned the ARCA cars getting practice time. Nobody else did, so uh, throw that right in the bucket for hot topics later on. (laughs) But everybody's eyes are going to be on this ARCA series, as as you mentioned. The first ones to be on the track um, and see what it truly is like. Up until now, everybody's been doing simulation and whatnot, unless they practice in another car series, which we'll get to that in hot topics as well.
0: Exactly, exactly. Uh, the other thing to kind of uh, keep in mind is this is also going to be round six of the two-cheap showdown, uh, and so that's going to make this exciting as well, and there's several drivers uh, that are kind of in contention for that that uh, will have a lot on the line for how they finish.
1: I certainly do think that is adding another element, and I was just uh, scanning over that trying to pull up the points Um Chandler Smith leading your points at 201, Michael Self at 195, Sam Mayer 194, Ty Gibbs at 189, and Brett Holmes at 188. Your top five separated by only 19 points. So, and we got a full, full almost a full full field uh, of 22 entries. So again, that being the combination event uh, brings in a few extra names. Always like to see that, and we've seen this play out. I know it wasn't how NASCAR laid it out to start the year. And kind of mess that up a little bit, but they're making the best of it, and I think it still adds some great interest to this uh, division.
0: Without a doubt. and I mentioned that uh, I thought Michael Seth might have a bit of an advantage. Well, the reason for that is he's from Park City, Utah, and he's been a road racing instructor uh, as part of his resume. He has two of his eight West series wins came up Brainerd International Raceway, which is a 2.5-mile course out in Minnesota. Now, when the races uh, at Mid-Ohio and New York's Watkins Glen were postponed due to to the COVID-19 pandemic, it looked like Self would not get to put his experience to good use. But then (laughs) they announced the Daytona Road Course, uh, and that came about, and so Self has 11 top 10s. In 11 races, he holds a four-point championship lead over Brett Holmes, who won the 2020 Lucas Oil 200 driven by General Tire on the big track to start the season, and he's also going to look to complete an unprecedented sweep at uh, Daytona. So it, uh, it won't be a cakewalk, though, for self because there are some other drivers uh, that could give him a challenge.
1: No doubt, and we've seen that all year long, but a couple of, again, special entries for this weekend. Chad Bryant Racing announced that Parker Chase, age 19, will pilot the numbers 22 Vertical Bridge and her Tech Resources Ford. Now, the Texas native, who has driven several late models events for the team as a developmental driver, is coming off his first IMSA podium in the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge Series at Wisconsin's Road America. Chase also competed on Kyle Busch's team in the 2020 Rolex 24 Hours at Daytona in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in the GTD Series.
0: Yeah, so, you know, uh, that sounds like he's had some experience on Daytona's road course, uh, which a lot of these drivers have not. So uh, that might give him a little bit of an edge, too, Jay.
1: No. Yeah, it might. We'll have to see how it plays out. Now, another one, uh, Max McLaughlin will be in the number one Mohawk Northeast for Hattori Racing. McLaughlin scored an East win in 2019 at Watkins Glen, giving Hattori its second straight win in that event. Will Rogers, who finished a disappointing fifth and eighth at Utah Motorsports Campus, has four road course wins to his credit between the East and the West Series. So there's a couple more names you got to throw out, especially when it comes to road course racing, veterans
0: exactly right and we mentioned it earlier the sioux chief showdown stakes uh, with ty gibbs chandler smith drew dollar and haley deegan fighting for every valuable point point in position uh so all of them are making their debut at the daytona road course so it could get pretty wild
1: well, I, f- I fully expect it to be wild. I don't think that's any kind of question. We know Daytona in and of itself can be wild. You add the road course to it, nobody having stock car experience on the track. You mentioned a few do have some on the course itself, but this is a whole different ball game.
0: It truly is. Now, the rat. The last road course race held by the Arkham Nard Series was actually at Road America in Wisconsin. That was in August of 2017. That race was run by Austin Terrio, who went from fifth to first after avoiding a pair of last lap crashes that happened right in front of him. But really, there's been 22 previous road course races in the Arkham Nard Series history, and that's been held at 10 different venues, so Road America is just the most recent one, so those that that have maybe been around a while, they may have uh, seen some of those races, but uh, for the most part, I think most of these drivers have had limited road course experience.
1: They have an Austin Terrio is a name that I was kind of hoping to see pop up here on this entry list. I know he's still know. Uh, around the sport and in, involved. So uh, there is one car, the Bola Mastis number 54, that has TBA as far as its driver. Uh, still waiting to hear uh, who fills in in that car. But uh, if I had to vote, I would put it with Austin Terrio.
0: Hmm, there you go. Now, the starting field for the General Tire 100 at the Daytona Road Course is limited. Uh, to <clears throat> 25, including provisional positions. The field is actually set this time by the Sioux Chief Showdown owner points uh, for, the, for that particular race. The remaining, well, there aren't any other spots, so all of those spots will be filled according to the owner's points for the Sioux Chiefs Showdown. So there's no qualifying uh, for this particular race. Also, the pit stops, this is going to sound familiar, no adding or moving tires to or from the pit box once the race has started. There's a maximum of four crew members that can service the car, and no tires or fuel can be added outside of the brake segments. Uh, The road course is 28 laps that were 101.8 miles. It's to be run in two segments. The race will have a break at or near the conclusion of lap 15, at the conclusion of the breaks, vehicles line up in the order they were running at the beginning of the break. The maximum tire allotment available for this event, per the ARCA rule rulebook, uh, in the pit box for use is eight. In the event of what conditions, General Tire SC wet radio tires may be used on all four corners. So that's something to keep in mind for this race as well, Jay.
1: Yeah, you know, I hadn't even thought about that. I know we talked about it last week at Road America, but with the capability to use the rain tires, that could throw just another whole element, a wild card, into this.
0: It, it really could. Uh, let's go down the list and mention, let's see if I can find that. Here it is. Uh, let's go down the list and make sure that we've covered everybody who's going to be in this event. As you mentioned, there's 22 cars. So uh, let's go from the bottom up this time.
1: Two by all, right, two. In the number seven, all right, in the number 74, it'll be Ayrton Ori, And i got a couple of names here. I hope I'm pronouncing them right. Going to be in a Chevrolet with Steven Keller on the crew box. Team owner is listed as Marie Beneveneto. And in the number 69, yeah. we know this one, the Kimmel machine, Bill Kimmel owned and crew chief. Driver will be Will Kimmel. And there's another one you can't count out, especially when it comes to a road course.
0: Yeah, it's so good to see Will Kimmel back in that number 69 uh, and uh, really looking forward to seeing him back on track. Uh, in the number 57 is Brian Duzott, uh, for his own team. He'll be driving a Chevrolet with Bob Rahilly at the uh, top of the pit box. And that 54 that Jay mentioned earlier is a TBA uh, owned by Bo, Bo Lamastis Uh, and a Ford, so we don't know who the crew chief for that one's going to be yet either.
1: Well, I'm not doing anything necessarily this weekend,
0: Uh, but anyway.
1: um, Oh, there you go. (laughs) Brad Smith is going to be in his uh, number 48 self-owned 48 machine, Chevrolet, Carlos Leon atop the box, and the number 46 also for Bola Mastis will be Thad Moffitt in the Ford crew chief by Derek Smith.
0: In the number 25 is Michael Self for Kathy Venturini, and he'll be driving the Toyota with Kevin Reed on his pit box. And in the 23, uh, you've got your number one and number two drivers here, uh, is Brett Moffitt just four points behind Michael Self uh, driving for his own team in the Chevrolet with Shane Huffman on top of the pit box.
1: Now, we mentioned Parker Chase taking that, that 22 for a ride at Chad Bryant Racing Ford. Key element there, Paul Andrews on the box. And if you've been around NASCAR at all, you know that name when it comes to crew chiefing. And then the one that's been on fire as of recent as well as all year long, the 21 of Sam Mayer for GMS Racing, Murray Gall- Gallagher, team owner Chevrolet, Marty Lindley atop the box for him. Another one I think you've got to consider a heavy favorite.
0: Absolutely. As you as uh, you might consider also, uh, the number 20 Chandler Smith for Venturini Motorsports Toyota, uh, Billy Venturini, will be on top of the pit box for Chandler. And then in the number 18, another driver you got to watch out for, Ty Gibbs. Uh, he'll be racing his Toyota with Mark McFarland on the pit box for him.
2: Number
1: 17s are actually split. Uh, regular driver david Gillen, or David Gillen owned uh, number seventeen will be Taylor Gray, who's in the battle there for the Sioux Chief showdown Blake Blake Bainridge, crew chief in that Ford and then mentioned a little bit earlier the seventeen W is going to be driven by Will Rogers. that's a Steve McGowan owned Chevrolet crew chief will be Sean Samuels.
0: In the number 15 is Drew Dollar, also with Venturini Motorsports Toyota. Shannon Roersch is his crew chief. In the number 12 is Nick Idalski. Uh He's in one of the Hillenberg cars uh, for Toyota. And Mike Struff will be his crew chief.
1: In the Hillenberg Ford, It'll be Tim Monroe in the number 11. It listed here as Tim Monroe also crew chiefing. I don't know if he's going to be doing that from the driver's <laughs> seat or if he'll have somebody else up at the top of the box, but it's what they have on the oh, list. Okay. Uh, yeah, I would expect
2: number 10, that would got, change.
1: Yeah, most certainly. I know I know some of these drivers are talented, but um, Mike Basham is going to be in the number 10 Andy Hillenberg Toyota, and Trey Galgon will be crew chief in that Clifton Trucking-sponsored machine.
0: In the number eight is Russ Lane, uh, John Cork Ford, and Mike Cheek will be his crew chief. And in the zero six is Con Nicolopoulos for Wayne Peterson, uh, Toyota, and Brad Fry is on top of the pit box for uh, Con Nicolopoulos.
1: And final two, the number four, that'll be David Gillen Racing's D.J.R. Crosley, uh, Haley Deegan Ford with Seth Smith as the crew chief sponsored by Monster and in the Mohawk Northeast number one machine of Shigihutori Toyota that'll be Max McLaughlin with David McCarty in his ear
0: okay Uh, who are your who is your favorite I should put it that way who are you picking to be the winner for this weekend in the Arkham Menards series
1: let me see if I got a 22-sided dice here because, uh, again, so many unknowns. Uh, but I'd have to go with what I think has got the most road-coursing racing experience and that we've seen, and that's going to be the 17W of Will Rogers.
0: Okay. Will Rogers is a good pick. He's a great road-course racer, and uh, I, think, uh, I think you're going to see good things from him. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Michael Self. I think he's got the advantage this weekend. I know he hasn't raced this particular road course before, but uh, I'm going to give him the, the thumbs up for this weekend.
2: Well, you
1: know, obviously we talk about the road course experience. This Daytona is new. Uh, we're going to see some things happen. Some veteran drivers maybe make some mistakes. Uh, I really do think it's going to come out to be a surprise winner, if you will, Uh, Not necessarily a surprise as far as the driver, but just in the way it plays out. That's what I foresee anyway, but we'll see how it shakes out and turns out they're on the road course.
0: Absolutely. Now, another thing to kind of keep in mind here uh, is that there are two other series here in the Arkham Menard series, including the East and the West. Uh, The West has raced most recently. The East only has a couple of races in the books. But uh, I do think they have some races that are coming up, and I think Dover is one of those tracks for the Arkham Menards Series East. I'm going to look at my book here and see if I have that down here. Yes, the Arkham Menards Series East will be racing at Dover next weekend. So that's something uh, to look forward to because, as I mentioned, they've only got a couple of uh, races that are in the books. Let's go over the uh, series point standings for them.
1: All right. I'll see if I can pull them up again Uh, for some reason. And I don't know what I'm doing wrong on here. Yeah. I don't know what my links for the East and West series points will not come up.
0: Okay. Well, let me, let me, um, kind of go over those points then. As I mentioned, there's only two races in the book so far for the Arkham and Art series East. Uh, they are racing at Dover, uh, not this, it's not this weekend, but next weekend we can look forward to that. Uh, and it should take place at, at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern time, and fans uh, who are members of the NBC Gold Track Pass will be able to watch that race. There's only two points separating Sam Mayer, the points leader, at, uh, 100, at 92 points, I'm sorry, from Ty Gibbs in second place at 90 points. Nick Sanchez is in third. Chase Cabaret, uh both of them are rev racing drivers, is in fourth. Parker Ratz, Ratzklath is in fifth place. It positions, um, there's only 19 points between the fifth place driver and the first place driver, so it's still very tight there with only those two races in the books. The next five drivers are Giovanni Bromanti, Max McLaughlin, Justin Carroll, Mason Diaz, and Derek Griffith. So it's going to be interesting to see who's going to be on that uh, uh, entry list next week for this Dover race, uh, the third race of the year for the Arkham uh, Art Series East.
1: All right. And my Internet made a liar out of me tonight. I was able to pull up the West Series point, so I can do the okay, top 10 so there. Let's...
0: Okay, let's do that.
1: All right, now you mentioned they have a few more races in. They got six races in the books. Jesse Love winning a couple leads the point, but it's only by one, as Blaine, Pe- Blaine Perkins picked up the pair of wins this past weekend, as they did the doubleheader out on the West Coast, now having three wins. Again, 363 to 36. 360, I'm sorry, 263 to 262. Uh, separate them in points. Next, you have Gracie Trotter, who is 27 back. Trevor Huddleston at 30 back. They're running, having good seasons. Five, six, and five top tens out of those six races, um, but not able to uh, hold those top two winning races. Then you got Geo Skelsey. Again, five top tens puts him 35 points back. And Todd Souza, with five top tens, is 44 points back.
0: Okay. And the next race... Oh, I'm sorry. I got ahead of myself. Go ahead.
1: Okay. I was going to run through at least the top nine. If they've started all six races, you got Holly Holland in seventh, Takuma Koga in eighth, and Bobby Hillis Jr. in ninth at 54, 65, and 71 points back. Jack Wood is in 10th place at 123 back, but has only made four of the six races.
0: Okay. So, a lot to look forward to there. They they are racing next weekend as well. They'll be racing at Colorado National, uh, and that too is available on the NBC Gold Track Pass uh, for those members. So, definitely something to look forward to next week we will have races from both the east and the west as well as the truck series uh, the Xfinity series and the cup series all racing at Dover so uh, it's going to be a big, big race weekend Jay did I lose you Jay
1: no, I sorry about that I did that. Um, you mentioned that of a, a big weekend. this one again, such a wild card, a little bit bigger uh, field of cars due to the um, combined event, but there's double headers we've seen the impact that has on the West series. going to have that coming up with the East series uh certainly going to be interesting as we hit those stretches.
0: absolutely. uh we've got a few minutes here, Jay. Let's go ahead and go over. Uh Starting with the truck series, uh our picks for the truck series, and then also the points for that series for our fan for and right. fantasy group
1: All right, that has taken a shake up of its own as well um following last weekend this weekend again we're pretty much going on an unknown. Mike started us off picking Raphael Lasard for her, his first win. We got a several that we think might do that. Uh, Sam picked Christian Eckes, hasn't gotten a win yet. Owen picked Derek Krauss. very interesting pick there as well. Now, a couple of us sticking with the veterans. Sharon Sharon went with Ben Rhodes. I took Johnny Sauter. I think he's going to try and win his way into the playoffs, which we'll talk about that when we talk about the point standings, what that effect will have. And then Andy went with Brett Moffitt. And rarely is this seen. James tried to pick first when he was supposed to go last, and he wanted Grant Enfinger, <laughs> and he got him. I, I told him, I was like, yeah, well, you got to wait till last, but if he doesn't get picked, you can have him, and he did not get picked. So uh, definitely an interesting set of picks this weekend.
0: It is indeed. Uh, and, and like you say, it's such an unknown. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how it does play out. So what
2: are the
1: overall points for the truck series? And our tightest uh, pack here for the points. Andy is at 39. Owen is second at 36, three back. Then is Sharon at 35. Sam at 34. James at 31. I'm at 29. And Mike is at 20. So 19 points top to bottom. And we're getting getting ready to go into the playoffs with this series here in a week or so. And that'll be double points, so fourteen points per race.
0: Wow, that's gonna be amazing. <laughs> uh really uh really an interesting situation there. Okay, so anything more that you wanna mention, uh I know we just gave our points for the uh truck series, but anything more that you wanna mention as it relates to the uh <clears throat> Menard series? <clears> this <throat>
1: just- <laughs> one. Most highlighted. most highlighted, I know there's some I know great, there's races, some great races, throughout races throughout the year, throughout the year but it right. might be one of the most, one highlighted most highlighted Arkham Menards races we've seen, seen. Again, first Again, first time,
0: first, time, first series first on, this on this Daytona, road, Daytona course. road course. You know, we have a minute or so here. I do have uh, a little bit of uh, pre-race audio here uh, from Arkham Menards Series driver Parker Chase, and from Sam Mayer. I'm, I'm just going to listen to about a minute of it here, but let's hear what they have to say.
2: <clears throat>
0: Hold on. Oh.
3: Um, we are joined by, uh, first of all, that, that hat is fantastic, <laughs> by uh, Parker Chase, who will be making his Parker Menard Series debut this weekend, uh, driving for uh, Chad Bryant Racing. Uh, first of all, tell me about that hat, Parker. That's uh, that's
4: vintage. pretty sweet. Yeah, I was just searching on Etsy for some, like, vintage uh, racing hats and stuff, and I found a Winston Million one that I bought, Then I saw this one, and I thought it was pretty cool, so I snagged this one up, too. Nicely
3: done. If you see a Die racing hat up there, let me know. I'll buy that one for sure. All
4: right. Um,
3: So you are uh, transitioning into uh, stock cars. Well, I don't know if we're going to use the word transition. You're going to hop in anyhow. I know you are very focused on the sports car side of things. Um, Tell us a little bit about your sports car background and how you ended up with Chad Bryant Racing for this weekend.
4: Yeah, so I started karting when I was about 10, I think, in my hometown of New Braunfels, Texas. Um, Did about some local stuff for probably a year and then moved up to some regional and national stuff which um, lasted until 2015, 14, 15. When I was 14, I did about half season of F-1600, the SCCA um, class, Formula Ford style stuff. Half season of that, then moved over to some second, me auto stuff, which is where my sports car career really started. I think I did about six races in that, just another half season, and then moved into GT4 with uh, the genetic GT4, and, um, Rookie of the Year in 2016, and then um, 2017, moved over to do some, some GT3 races in Europe with Junetta also, which um, was cut short, came back and then did some more GT4 stuff in the States in 2017. Um, then 2018 was my first year in GT3 in the uh, Audi R8 LMS, and Pirelli World Challenge also, where me and Ryan DL, we uh, won the Pro-Am Championship. And then I think I finished second or third in just the uh, AM championship. 2019, moved into the uh, IMSA paddock, made my debut at Daytona in the 24 hours. I think we finished about 13th. Um, and then did, did quite a few races in IMSA that year, which um, was, it was a good experience. is a tough paddock and the, the GTP class, for sure. You had a lot of stout competition.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, uh, some interesting uh, results for him on the Daytona Road Course, uh, but he he does have uh, some big experience in the sports car to- world.
1: Definitely going to be interesting, especially uh, for him to debut at the Daytona Road Course. Obviously, with his background on the track, that's what they're looking for, uh, but it'll be interesting to watch for sure.
0: Yes, indeed. Okay, let's move on to the uh, Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series in NASCAR. They will be racing the Sunoco 159 on the road course at Daytona on Sunday, August the 16th. The uh, start time is set at 12 p.m. Eastern Time with coverage on Fox Sports 1 starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Radio coverage is on MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 158.85 miles over 44 laps. Stage 1 will end on lap 12, stage 2 on lap 25, and the final stage ends on the last lap, lap 44. So uh, there you have it for the Gander Outdoor Truck Series. Uh, We're definitely looking forward to seeing what they do there.
1: And the winner, none of this previous winner of being Kyle Bush, so we will have a new winner.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Get a couple okay. of notes out of the way here. Uh, under the NASCAR RV, Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series, uh, Eckes is ready to step up. The Snoko Rookie of the Year contender Christian Eckes has piloted his number 18 Kyle Busch Motorsports Toyota to finish second in three of the past four re- races the series has contested. Now, this is Eckie's first start on a road course. Another note, Spencer Davis is cleared to return. He's been medically cleared to return to competition after testing positive for COVID-19 and missing last weekend's race at Michigan International Speedway. The team was forced to withdraw due to the positive test, but Davis has had two mandated COVID-19 tests come back negative, meeting the guidelines put in place by NASCAR. Again, they feel that the process works. Got to thank the medical team at NASCAR for the guidance along the way and taking proper steps during my quarantine, Davis put out in a tweet. And the last thing is the Goodyear Tire Info for the Gander Trucks. They will also run the Gander, or Goodyear Eagle Road Course Radials on Sunday for the 12th race of the 2020 season. Each team will have five sets of tires for the race, and Goodyear will bring its wet, wet weather radials for use by teams in all three series this weekend. The tire was last run over the weekend at Road America in the Xfinity series. And they will not run interliners, and the tire code will be the same on all four corners of the truck.
0: Okay, a milestone this weekend for Jennifer Jo Cobb. Uh, She is going to be making her 200th NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series start at Daytona International Roadways. Speedway's road course on Sunday, August the 16th. Cobb made her series debut in 2008 at Kansas Speedway. Uh, that happens to be her home track before she formed her own team in 2010. She's been entered in every race as a team owner since that year and has also fielded trucks for other drivers as a teammate. Cobb has also made 31 Xfinity Series starts during her career. Now, Fastener Supply Company will be her full-time sponsor uh, for the rest of this season. So uh, she definitely uh, has a big day in line for her at Daytona's Road Course this Sunday.
1: Well, it's always great to see drivers reach that kind of milestone, especially for somebody like Jennifer Jo Cobb. Yes. And we take a picture of the playoffs here post-Michigan. And that's another one bites the dust as rookie Zane Smith captured his first career Gander Trucks win on Friday night at Michigan, punched his ticket into the playoffs. Now, only five spots remain for the postseason. They are currently occupied by Ben Rhodes, Christian Eckes, Brett Moffitt, Derek Kraus, and Todd Gilliland. Rhodes is the highest-ranked driver without a win in sixth place and is 85 points above the cut line. In 19 races in the book, former series champion Johnny Sauter again is below the cutoff line after a long string of bad luck. He currently sits in 13th, 72 points behind the playoff spot. Tyler Ankrum is in 11th with hopes of making the jump above the cut line before the postseason begins. And Stuart Friesen is another one that has had a tough season like Sauter, currently sitting in 15th, 103 points back from the cut line. So mentioned right now, Derek Krause has got three hundred and thirty points in ninth place. Todd Gillen, three twenty nine in tenth. Uh Tyler Ankrum is at two sixty-seven. That puts him fifty let's do that math real quick. Sixty 70, uh eight points out roughly. Win and win is going what a win is what it's gonna take. But the interesting thing there, with only one point between Krause and Gillen, if somebody outside that top ten gets the win, it's whether Krause or Dylan end up out based on where they could finish against each other
0: yeah this is going to be interesting because it certainly is possible for one of these drivers that are currently below the cutoff line to come up with a win at daytona so uh keep your eye on what happens uh especially with those drivers on below that cutoff line uh, another thing is that the Triple Truck Challenge uh, continues uh, this year after a successful debut last year. The program will start at Daytona International Speedway's road course uh, this Sunday, and uh, it's the second. The second race will take place at Dover International Speedway, and the third race is taking place at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway on October the 30th. So. Uh, the, the next 3 weeks are going to be triple truck challenge time. This year's rules will copy last season's. The drivers will compete for cash prizes, $50,000 bonus for the race winner of any of the 3 events, and if a driver wins 2 of the 3 events, they are awarded an extra 500, 000, or, I'm sorry, an extra 50,000, totaling 150,000. Now, when all three events that driver gets to take home an additional 300,000 for a total of 500,000 in prize money. Now, folks will remember that Greg Biffle came out of retirement in 2019 to win the first triple truck challenge event that took place at Texas Motor Speedway and he won for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Brett Moppet won at Iowa Speedway, and Ross Chastain won at Gateway. So uh, we're wondering who are going to be the triple truck challenge drivers for this year, uh, and we'll find out when the Daytona Road Course is finished for that truck series.
1: Another interesting twist to that race alone. I don't know how much more you can put on one race, but some, some uh, big things going on there as we go trucking on the Daytona Road Course. Now, obviously, it was an exciting weekend at Michigan International Speedway for the Gander Trucks as Sunoco Rookie of the Year contender Zane Smith captured his first career win in an exciting finish. Smith made a last-lap pass in overtime to earn that first career victory at Michigan, point three one eight seconds over fellow rookie Christian Eckes. With the win, Smith, 21, again, also punched his sick ticket into the 2020 playoffs in the number 21 GMS racing The race saw a record 11 cautions, and there were 18 lead changes among 13 drivers. Now, this weekend, the trucks are part of this historic weekend at the Daytona International Speedway Road Course. They'll kick off Sunday's doubleheader with the Cup Series at 12 p.m. Eastern for the Sunoco 159 and catch on FS1, MRN, or Sirius XM radio. The Gander Truck Sonoco 159 will again will be 158.85 miles in 44 laps. Stages ending on lap 12, the second on lap 25. And to lead the field to the green from the pole position as NASCAR has implemented the new starting lineup procedures, which factors in the previous race, fast laps, and their position in points.
0: Okay, now a couple of other points that I want to make sure we touch on here. Uh, I don't think we've mentioned that uh, Alex Tagliani is actually racing this weekend. I believe he's in a Cowbush uh, Motorsports truck. So uh, the vast, uh, most of the drivers have no experience on the 3.61-mile track. Uh, that Daytona road course has 14 turns, that incorporate the track's uh, fast super speedway as well as the tight and challenging infield road course. So Alex Tagliani may be one of the drivers that we've overlooked uh, on the entry list for the truck series this weekend.
1: Well, again, it was so tough to, to, uh, to pick one out. And now that you mentioned his name, I, I know the other night when we were talking about Road America, that's one that was involved in the uh, race I went to at Road America. So good to see him back in the series and certainly could bring his name back to the forefront by picking up a win there.
0: Yes, indeed. Um, now, last year, uh, Brett Moffitt was probably the most recent truck. Road course winner. He did win at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, leading a dominating 44 of the 64 laps there. Now, none of the other uh, other uh, Bowmanville winners are entered this weekend. However, Zane Smith became the most recent uh, driver to, as you mentioned, make it into the playoffs with his win. Uh, Just last week. Uh, Let me see if there's any other points here that we have not mentioned. Okay, yeah, I can't, I don't see any other points that we've missed, but uh, uh, I think those were pretty big points that Alex Tagliani is also going to be in there, and that uh, Brett Moffat won most recently on a road course
1: in that truck series I did i did look at uh brett Moffitt looking back through at the truck series road courses um again there's not a whole lot to lean back on there even to try and pick and, and again daytona obviously very unique especially with this uh what do you call man-made road course on a super mm-hmm. speedway no less so gonna be so interesting um I'm going to take a peek here at the uh, overall points. I know we we talked about the cutoff line, but looking at it as it would stand when they reseed for the playoffs, right now Grant Infinger with 11, excuse me, um, 11 playoff points already. Then you got Zane Smith with eight, as well as Sheldon Creed with eight. Kind of sporadic here. Austin Hill with six, Matt Crafton with five, and Brett Moffitt with only three. Now, again, not only do we have the one more race to go, but then points will be added 15. uh, I'm thinking the truck series it's still 15 points for winning the overall series, or regular season, sorry, which Austin Hill currently leads. So that would give him some more points to build upon. Um, But I think here in the truck series specifically, these playoff points are going to be a huge, huge factor after the reseeding.
0: Yes, I do think you're right. We should probably mention, too, The drivers who have won, Grant Enfinger with the two victories, Uh, uh, Austin Hill, Sheldon Smith-Creed, and Matt Crafton all have victories along with uh, Zane Smith. So those are the drivers that don't have to worry coming into this road course. Uh, They all have already punched their ticket into the playoffs, and they're good to go. So I think they'll have a little bit more, more fun with this road course race on Sunday.
1: And then the other one, we talked about him. Christian is again, right now has been doing everything but winning races. Yeah, up front, leading laps, looking like a strong contender, coming up a little bit short. And we've seen that in the past. But once they break that door down and get the victory, uh, you're going to see a couple more follow, possibly in a short amount of time.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, that's kind of the way it goes. Uh, but the, like you said, the, the road course is going to be fun because nobody, there's no previous winner on this particular road course uh, for anybody to gauge on, and uh, we know it's going to be a first-time winner this weekend. So that's going to make it uh, a lot of fun. Uh, I don't have any um, pre-race audio from NASCAR uh, truck series drivers so let's go ahead and do our uh, Xfinity Series picks here, Jay, uh, for, and then the points, how they run for the Xfinity All Series. Right.
1: All right, for the Xfinity Series, uh, James got to kick us off there, waited to make sure he was on the entry list, which I thought he was, but he took uh, A.J. Allmendinger, possibly as the most experienced road course racer. Might then got to take austin sindrick which uh, i figured would be one of the top two picks third went to uh owen this one uh, kind of a little bit of a surprise but not i know he's been having a rough year he went with justin Alguire. Uh, i know i looked at him for road america that left me to follow and i went with noah gregson kind of been solid behind him he's a solid road course racer uh, we'll see how that plays out but then Sam went with Chase Briscoe, who showed he can win and run good on any track as he has all year. Andy went with Justin Haley, and that left Sharon to pick last, having had Sindrick last week in at Road America, and she went with Ross Chastain. On the points, Andy's still in full control here at seventy six points. Second place goes all the way back to fifty seven. That's me. Then Sharon's right behind me at 52, Owen is at 48, Sam at 47, James at 42, and Mike at 35. So this one's competitive uh, with the exception of the point leader themselves in Andy.
0: Yes, Andy is way out there uh, on points, so he's got a lot of room uh, to kind of play around with here. And uh he still has a good pick though for this weekend. I think his pick of Haley is uh definitely a good pick. All uh, right.
1: Definitely look like look at on any road course uh being partnered as a teammate with AJ Allmendinger at College Racing. Uh you can't help but yes. learn from a teammate like uh Allmendinger.
0: Exactly right. That's a very good point. Okay, now the Xfinity Series is racing the UNOH uh, 188 uh, at Daytona International Speedway's road course on Saturday, August the 15th. That starts at 3 p.m. Eastern with NBC Sports Network carrying pre-race coverage starting at 2.30 Uh, Eastern, along with MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Now, they'll be racing a distance of 187.72 miles over 52 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 15, stage 2 on lap 30, and, of course, the last stage ends on the last lap, lap lap 52. So uh, I do have uh, quite a bit of audio, so if we get this done... Uh, we'll be able to listen to the audio of some of these drivers.
1: Pre-risk All right, radio. well, that certainly should be interesting to see what uh, what they're preparing for in this unknown. So we'll get into the Goodyear update here for the Xfinity Series. Then they will run the Goodyear Eagle Road Course Radials on Saturday. It'll be their 19th race of the season. Now, each team will have six set of tires for the race, And after doing research, it was determined that the Watkins Glen tire was the best fit for the Daytona road course because speeds are expected to be close to what the Cup Series cars run at Watkins Glen compared to a slower and more technical course like Sonoma Raceway. The Goodyear will also bring its wet weather radials for use by teams in all three series. The tire was last run over the weekend, as I mentioned, at Road America for the Xfinity Series. Now, the obvious difference in the tread pattern versus the dry weather slick tires, but another difference is the Goodyear and Eagle lettering is white, not yellow. Some people notice things like that. I can't say that I do, but... And (laughs) like all other road courses, the teams will not run the inner liners, and the four corners of the car will have the same Goodyear tire code.
0: Okay. So Earl Bamber is going to be making his debut with Richard Childress Racing this weekend. He's a two-time Le Mans 24 race winner and is making his Xfinity Series debut for RCR this weekend at the road course at Daytona. He'll be driving the number 21 Chevrolet. Now the team has partnered with KCMG for the event and Barber has experience at the road course having scored four podiums in the Rolex 24 at that track. So uh, he could be uh, somebody to keep your eye on this weekend.
1: I already last week that it was coming up for him to have that start again another one with some experience on the track. Now Brandon Brown has tightened his lead. The number 68 did not start the race at Road America last weekend as Hope. On the first lap of the, of the race, Brown had to be pushed to pit road due to a mechanical issue. He fell back a lap in the process and had to fight his way to the front in a crazy and wet race on the road course. His small Brandon-built motorsports team fixed the problem and then scored four stage points in the second stage. They fought back and earned a 12th-place finish that helped him gain some ground above the playoff cut line. The finish also marked his second-best career finish on a road course. With only eight races to go in the regular season, the race to the playoffs is becoming even more tight, so a good run is what Brown and that team definitely needed.
0: All right, now Saturday's race has some road course connoisseurs on deck. Uh, the first road course race this season uh, was also a historic one as a series who also ran on Indianapolis Motor Speedway's road course for the first time in history. So Jace, Chase Briscoe won that race after leading 30 laps and starting in 12th place. Briscoe has competed in GT races at the road course prior to the start of this year's Uh, Rolex 24 giving him some experience on that on the Daytona road course Austin Sindrick won the second road course race just last weekend at Road America for the series he started second and led 19 laps on his way to the victory Sindrick has three starts in the Rolex 24 uh, 2017 through 2019 so he also has Some experience on that track It's no secret That Briscoe and Sendrake are two of the Best road course racers that run Full time in the Xfinity Series both of those drivers Got their first career wins on Road courses and they also happen To be the two drivers dominating This season So uh, we've got our own Road course ringers uh, In the Xfinity Series But other familiar names such as A.J. Allmendinger uh, Who is returning to Colleg Racing again this weekend to run the number 16, and his teammate Justin Haley shows strength on road courses as well. Almendinger is a past overall winner in the Rolex 24 in 2012, and was a runner-up in 2006, while finishing third in 2013. So he has some experience on the Daytona road course. Then there are some drivers that we do not see every week in the Xfinity Series, but they'll hit the road course and compete this Saturday on various teams. Uh, Andy Lally raced last weekend at uh, Road America. He's making his second Xfinity Series start this season at Daytona for our Motorsports. Uh, Last week at Road America, he finished fifth after rallying from a 23rd place starting position. This is going to be his 13th Xfinity Series start in the span of eight years, and he's had his two best finishes uh, that include a fifth place at Mid-Ohio in 2017 and at Road America last weekend. Now, Lally is the 2011 NASCAR Cup Series Rookie of the Year and a four-time Rolex 24 at Daytona Class Champion. Now, Jade Buford is back behind the wheel of the number seven for SS Green Light Racing. This is going to be his third Xfinity Series start this year, and all of his starts have been on road courses. He finished 14th in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course and finished 9th last week at uh, Road America for JD Motorsports. We mentioned Earl Bammer, a two-time Le Mans 24 race winner, is making his debut this weekend at RCR. Bammer also won the GTLM championship in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship just last year. Brandon Godovic is back behind the wheel of the number 26 for Sam Hunt Racing for the second time this season. He's made uh, a start for the team at the Indy Road course earlier, and he finished 12th after starting 38th. Preston Pardis will be behind the wheel of the number 36 for DGM racing for the second week in a row and the third time this season. Uh, he's a Daytona Beach area native, and he finished 10th at the Indy Road Course in eighth last week at Road America. This weekend marks his fifth Xfinity Series career start. Car super late model driver Harold Crooms is set to make his Xfinity Series debut on Saturday. He'll be in the number 66 for MBM Motorsports. MBM has brought a variety of drivers on board this season, and Crooms is the only one with no previous NASCAR National Series experience. He did participate in the Arkham Menard Series testing at Daytona in January. Lastly, Scott Hecker is making his 10th Xfinity Series career start on the Daytona road course for B.J. McLeod in the number 78. Saturday is also his second start of the season. He raced last weekend at Road America, finishing in 33rd place.
1: All right. Well, definitely some wild ones to keep your eye on uh, throughout this race. And that's going to have, make us look at this playoff bubble as well. The Xfinity finished series again back on a road course this weekend, making history along with the Cup Series and Gander RV and Ardor Truck Series. With Austin Sindrick taking home his fourth win of the season last week at Road America, six drivers remained locked into the playoffs with the win. Spots 7 through 12 are the ones still up for grabs. Although I talked about Brandon Bo- Brandon Brown holding on to that Final 12th spot uh, right now extended his lead further over the weekend. Road courses, though, can shake up everything, especially when no one has ever run a race on it. Ross Chastain is still holding on to the 7th spot in the driver's standings as the first driver without a win. All is right behind him in 8th and Michael in at 9th. Ryan Seed jumped up one spot to 10th, while Riley Herbst, the Sunoco Rookie of the Year contender, is hanging on to the 11th spot. We look outside that, Jeremy Clements has one been hanging on to the 13th spot right below the cut line, and Myatt Schneider, another rookie, is in 14th, 73 points back from the cut line. Josh Williams has also made his way up to the 15th spot. And Noah Gregson continues to hold the most stage wins of any drivers with, in the series with eight, and his junior motorsports team, Justin Algar, and team Penske's Austin Sindrick are now tied with Seven take a peek there mention the ones that have wins chase briscoe with five uh austin sindrick now with four Noah gregston and harrison burton brandon jones with two each justin haley with one and then we got the drivers mentioned there down to that cut line again brandon brown at 403 jeremy clements at 350 we know though he can get a win on a road course last year a few years ago he did it at road america could come at Daytona this time, so Brandon Brown going to have to be on his game as well.
0: Without a doubt, uh, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be so much fun watching the racing this weekend. Uh, although I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a bit nerve wracking for many of the drivers. Uh, the Xfinity Series kicks off a very historic weekend for three national series at the Daytona Road Course this weekend. Uh, it's the second weekend in a row that they're going to be racing on a road course, and they will compete for the first time in series history on the Daytona road course. The UNOH 188 will kick off the historic weekend uh, for all three national series because they're going to be racing on Saturday afternoon. The Xfinity Series competed at Road America again last week, and Austin Cindric was the winner for the fourth time this season. Luckily for the drivers, they're in road course mode right now, having just competed at Road America, and while the other two series competed at Michigan International Speedway last weekend. But... Saturday's race is going to be new, and it's going to be tricky for every driver entered. On top of the series never competing on the course, there has been a new chicane that's added in turn four. <clears throat> the race will be 187.72 miles and 52 laps. Cindric and the series points leader Chase Briscoe both competed in GT races at the road course prior to the start, of the Rolex 24 this season. Cindric has three Rolex 24 starts to his name, and Almendinger is a past winner of the Rolex 24 in 2012. He was the runner-up in 2016, and he finished third in 2013. Uh, so you're right. I think Almendinger is uh, definitely one of the guys to keep your eye on this weekend in that Xfinity series, Jay.
1: Oh, uh, we know he's got to be. I mean, again, his prowess on road courses is well known. Uh, again, I don't know about the experience on that Daytona course in and of itself. Obviously, it's got to give him a little advantage since nobody else has been on the course itself. But uh, going to gonna be so exciting to watch these this weekend uh, to see what happens. We know we look, so look forward to it with the Roval a few years back when it debuted. Uh, this is going to be another very huge and historic event for NASCAR.
0: Exactly. Now, we've got four drivers from the Xfinity Series that we can listen to here, Jay. I think I'm going to start with Austin Sindrick, who was last year's last week's winner at Road America uh, with his crew chief, Brian Wilson. There's also A.J. Allmendinger, Earl Bammer, and Chase Briscoe that we can hear from. Uh, but let's start with Austin Sindrick, who won just last week.
2: All right. All right,
3: Austin Sindrick, the
5: hottest man in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, joining us here uh, on our Zoom call today. Uh, Austin's won four of the last five series starts. The points leader in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and he's joined us here today as we go to the Daytona road course. And I know
3: this is something that obviously when it was announced, everybody kind of looked to you, hey, he's got experience there. So now that it's finally here, just what are your thoughts as we prepare for that race this weekend? Well, it's funny because it kind of replaces a, a track that we won at last year. So, you know, I have some apprehensions. That
5: I wish we were able to go to Watkins Glen in Ohio this year uh, in the Xfinity Series. But, obviously, a lot of fun things to look forward to on the Daytona Road course. Um, I would say it's the most difficult track to understand and figure out. You know, it's got a couple of horseshoes, and, uh, and that's to downplay the weekend because there's definitely a lot of challenges between uh, showing up and racing at a track that no one has any knowledge or data on. Um, but at the same time, uh, hot conditions—I uh, think that that plays a role. You know, anytime you're racing in in Florida in the middle of the day in the summertime, uh, it's going to be hot and humid. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. It's it's a fun challenge, and uh, hopefully, we can uh, rise to the occasion. All right.
0: Okay, uh, that's what uh, uh, Austin Cindric had to say about racing at Daytona this weekend. Any thoughts, Jay?
1: Well the the confidence he has he said like he said of uh, actually it's being replacing a road course where they had won. we know what he can do on a road course so uh I'm sure he's just brimming with confidence uh, as far as that the unknown factor again new course that nobody's been on you know leaves that little bit of intrigue but I think Sendrick will be one of the contenders uh, without a doubt
0: Okay we just mentioned A.J. Amendinger and uh, him being definitely one of the drivers to watch this weekend uh, with his Rolex 24 experience, let's hear what A.J. Allmendinger has to say. He'll be driving that number 16 car this weekend for college Racing.
3: And you're looking live with none other than A.J.
5: Allmendinger, the driver of the number 16 Ellsworth Advisors Chevrolet, uh, heading into this weekend's race at the Daytona. Road course. Has anybody reached out asking an advice for how to how to get around that road course? Considering your vast experience in sports cars, I mean, uh, do you see how, how red my ear is right now. My, my, my ear, you know, I've had a lot a lot of phone calls. Uh, yeah, yeah. No,
6: Now all through the side, I've, I've had a few conversations with a couple of guys in in, uh, in different series, um, but but nothing too crazy.
2: Okay. Well, yeah, we're going to go.
6: But with that said, our race is at three o'clock.
3: So we'll see if my phone's blowing up after the race or not. (laughs) We'll find out.
5: We're going to go ahead and open up the floor for questions. If you have a question, please raise your hand and we will call on you. We're going to start with Bob Pockers. Go ahead with your question, Bob. Yeah, without giving
6: away, like, the really good tips, what's what's your general advice to uh, somebody who hasn't run that course before in order just to not mess up and be done after a lap or two? Yeah, Bob, I mean, it's, you know, in a way – Daytona, the, the road course, the infield, it, it's one of the more simpler, simpler racetracks when it comes to trying to learn a road course. You know, you have the two horseshoes. Uh, you know, turn six, that leads back onto the banking is, is obviously really important with uh, with NASCAR one and two and, and the straightaway speed. Uh, you know, it, it's depending on the race car, I mean, it's hard on tires, so you, you got to somehow not abuse the, the, the tires overall. It's it's going to be hot or most likely wet there. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, there's just little nuances. Like learning the racetrack is is fairly simple. You just, it's the little nuances that I've figured out in my time in in the Rolex cars over the last 15 years of of learning the racetrack and uh, just how to make sure you don't use the tires up uh, better than the other person or, or just trying to make sure the car turns to those horseshoes just a little bit better. Um, but, yeah, overall, it's it's, it's not a, a difficult racetrack just to go out there and, say, a, a mid-Ohio or a Road America, a place like that. But um, it, it's more the small things that, that come to, to find those extra little tents
3: of a second.
0: Okay. He brings up some really good points there, Jay, because basically it's the uh, super speedway with a chicane going into turn three and another chicane coming off of turn uh, four before you enter into turn one, and that's the road course part of the track. Um, and really, that's the only place where there is a kind of a road coursey kind of feel uh, is between turns one and turn two, or what's known as turn two for the. Um, uh, super speedway so what are your thoughts about AJ's comments
1: well again he didn't want to give away too many secrets and some of them I know that they've watched a in-car camera of him as a driver as well as any other road course uh, racer um, top road course racer protecting your tires managing your tires he mentioned that but we've also seen it in shifting and gearing and getting back on the gas, uh, like he said, little nuances and just that little bit in how you shift through the gears and, and get through the gears mm-hmm. is huge on a road course. Um, it provides your acceleration up off the corner as well as then the breaking into the corner. We, we hear about that a lot. Any road course you go to, when you talk about passing zones or corners, it's out breaking them into the corner, but you also can't abuse your tires. So that's that key factor in it.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Uh, we've got a few more minutes here. Let's hear what Earl Bammer has to say. He'll be in the number 21 KCMG Chevrolet this weekend.
3: Bryce, are you taking in?
5: I mean, to be honest, the guys from the 21, you know, Andy Street and the whole crew have been awesome in uh, guiding me along and teaching me the, the whole thing. It's, It's a different world. Um, I've really enjoyed the learning
3: curve so far um, because there's a lot to learn and there's a lot of things that, you know, over in NASCAR, they
5: do, but we don't do, so um, that's been really, really interesting and a good insight, and um, it's hard because we're trying to set the car up on the firm for the first ever time, and, you know, never having driven the car, it's sort of like what's real, what's not. Um, We've got a a little bit of help from our colleagues uh, around the building, AJ and co, so I think we're well prepared. Now it's time to actually go drive the car and
3: see what it's like. I can't wait for the first time to get off and um, see what it's going to be like. But it's definitely a learning curve. Obviously, you know, just going back to, like, air shifting, pit road speed, you know, with the fact that you've got to manually do that, all that sort of stuff is new. So um, it's a big challenge. Thank
0: you. Okay. Uh, Thoughts about Earl Bammer's comments?
2: Not having
1: any uh, stock car experience. Again, a little bit different. Um, it's going to be interesting, uh, again, to see how just the road coursing experience correlates the ones, the, the few that we've mentioned that have some on that track, of how much of an advantage that does. Now, like AJ, AJ Albedinger said, learning the track itself isn't going to be that hard. It's the, those nuances and spots where you can really capitalize and picking those out mm-hmm. and being able to take adva- advantage of them.
0: Yes, and, and for Bammer, I think it's the fact that he's learning the do's and don'ts, uh, the things that he does differently from where he races, it sounds like Australia, uh, versus what they're doing in racing here. So those little nuances are going to be a big deal for him, I think. Let's go ahead and listen now to uh, Chase Briscoe. He'll be in the number 98, com Ford.
5: Just walk us through that experience and what you learned about the uh... – the
3: road course there at Daytona heading into this weekend? Yeah, it was uh, super fun. You know, it's, it's been really neat, I think, for me during this pandemic to see how much racing has grown in popularity and how, you know, it's always something we've used as a teaching tool. And now to see, you know, really the fans see the behind the scenes of, of how we get, you know, prepared week in and week out um, was super fun. So, you know, it was definitely a good learning experience. I felt like I learned a couple things about the racetrack and, you know, I've ran there in real life and some IMSA stuff, but it's so opposite of all the stock car stuff. So just getting you know more laps, whether it's you know seat time on the sim and iRacing racing or on the sim at Performance, I feel like it's been a big help, and, and hopefully that'll correlate over to real life. Okay,
0: so it sounds like he's doing a lot more preparation work on with some sim racing, Jay.
1: Well, and again, for drivers that don't have the experience, that, that's their only option. You know, it used to be uh, trying to remember what driver referenced. I think it was Todd Bodine watching race tapes. Okay, now you can go on the Sims, and that's what they got to lean on. And, and I go back to A.J. Almendinger's there. You know, obviously, if if you are friends with or talk to A.J. Almendinger, obviously a good competitor, he will talk to you about racing. I'm not sure he's going to tell you exactly what to do or give away all his secrets. <laughs> But he is willing to talk to you and help you out. And we've seen that from several drivers, road racing uh, drivers. I I think back to Boris said, I I know he worked with a lot of drivers throughout NASCAR, even while he was competing against Mm -hmm. them.
0: Yes, indeed. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the uh, NASCAR Cup Series. They'll be racing the Go Bowling 235. On Sunday, August the 16th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, NBC Sports, I'm sorry, NBC will have the pre-race coverage starting at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR Radio, uh, will also be covering the race. They'll be racing a distance of 234.65 miles over 65 laps. Stage one ends on lap 15, stage two on lap 30, and the last stage ends on the last lap, lap 65. So uh, let's uh, see what day we have here for the Cup Series.
1: Well, the first thing we want to look at is that, that a special trophy awaits this Daytona Road Course uh, winner. The winner of Sunday's historic first NASCAR Cup Series race on the world-famous road course at Daytona International Speedway, the Go Bowling 235 at Daytona Road Course, will win a special one-of-a-kind trophy produced by the Corning Museum of Glass. Now They partnered with Watkins Glen International to design a trophy for its NASCAR Cup Series race back in 2012. Now, traditional glassmaking methods were used on the 18-inch-tall, four-and-a-half-feet-wide prize, incorporating a blown glass cup that plays on the history of NASCAR beginning in 1948 in the World Center of Racing, Daytona International Speedway, which opened in 1959, as well as Daytona Beach, the birthplace of speed, which dates back to 1903 when automotive competition began on the sands of the beach. Um, there's some photos you can check out. You know, we're working off of uh, com. There's a link there. Or I'm sure you can search it elsewhere on the net. Uh, check out a picture of that trophy.
0: Yeah, I did check out that picture, and it looks like a really a nice trophy and one that people will treasure, uh, especially with this being the first road course race at Daytona. Now, yeah, Daytona it's one of that... those... In, in,
1: Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, an inaugural event of any kind is always special, and they made a very special trophy for it, so that's cool to see.
0: Yes, indeed. Now, Daytona is going to add the new chicane to the famous road course. Uh, They announced uh, a new twist to the storied high bank oval infield road course with the addition of the chicane at the exit of the NASCAR's turn four and will provide competitors with yet another passing zone. Uh, the new chicane now creates a 14-turn uh, road course layout on the 3.61-mile uh, track. The, uh, what it was previously was a 3.56-mile track with 12 turns. So uh, for the first time in history, Uh, NASCAR is playing host with all three of their series running, uh, along with the Arca Menard Series racing this weekend. So that chicane could be a little bit of a a difference for some of the drivers uh, that maybe have some experience on the uh, road course from other series. Uh, The chicane may be a, a little bit of a twist for them.
2: All right
1: points rundown just a quick note harvick can wrap up the regular season title here at the daytona road course driving for stewart haas racing kevin harvick can clinch the nascar cup series regular season championship in this next race with help if he finishes the next race 181 points ahead of second place driver in the standings currently he has 137 points lead over second place brad keselowski and 140 points over third place denny hamlin Harvick has accumulated 35 playoff points through 22 races this season. If he were to win the regular season title, he'd be awarded the 15 bonus playoff points, and it would bring his total to 50, into carry throughout the postseason. So we've talked about that, how important those are, and Harvick's one that wants to start that off here as soon as possible with the regular season championship.
0: Okay, let's talk about some other. Uh... Uh, potential clinch uh, or playoff bubble. Let's, I don't know where to go here. Okay, let's talk about the possible clinch uh, at the next race, sorted by points at Daytona. So to clinch on wins, the following nine drivers have already clinched a top 30 spot in the series points. With a win this weekend, they could clinch a playoff spot on wins. <clears throat> All of these drivers have zero wins. So let's start with Eric Amarola at 669 points. He's 431 points ahead of the 31st place. Kyle Busch, 651 points, is plus 413 points ahead of 31st. Kyle Busch, I'm sorry, Kurt Busch, 648 points, 410 ahead of that 31st spot. Clint Boyer at 571 points is 333 points ahead. Matt Benedetto 568 points is plus 330 points ahead of 31st. William Byron, 537 points is plus 299 ahead of 31st. Eric Jones, zero wins. 511 points, 273 points ahead of 31st. Jimmy Johnson, so unexpected, 511 points plus 273 points ahead of 31st. And Tyler Ruddick at 501 points is 263 points ahead of 31st. So clinch top 30 and wins. The next five drivers will need – to clinch a top 30 spot in points in order to be able to clinch a spot in the playoffs on wins. Christopher Bell, zero wins. He has 415 points. He's 177 points ahead of 31st. He could clinch a top 30 spot on their own with 52 points this weekend. He can clinch a playoff spot at Daytona with a win and clinch a top 30 spot in points. Four of the five drivers attempting to clinch a spot in the top 30 in the driver standings will need help this weekend in order to accomplish that feat. But if they do and they win the race, they will clinch a play playoff spot. Daryl Wallace at 400 points, 162 points ahead of 31st. Michael McDowell, 376 points, is 138 points ahead of 31st. Chris Busher is 371 points, 133 points ahead of 31st, and Ricky Stenhouse, Jr., at 369 points, is 131 points ahead of that 31st spot. Impossible to clinch, even with a win, John Hunter Nemechek is 341 points, he's 103 points, Ahead of 31st, which would not clench a top-30 spot. So he cannot clench a playoff berth in the next race. If he can't clench a top-30 spot with a win, no other winless driver below him in the standings are going to be able to clench either. So that's disappointing news for John Hunter Nemechek.
1: Well, the good thing is is those six races coming up that they can still work their way in, it's just not a guarantee as of yet, but we got to remember you know, each driver is racing for his own position in points, so like you mentioned, even if John Hunter wins a race that doesn't guarantee him 30th in points which he also has to do, so a lot of different uh, things going on for a lot of different drivers and teams
0: Right, you can skip that playoff bubble piece, because I, I pretty much covered it, I think
1: well, Alright, we'll move up here to take a look at the active road course winners for the nascar cup series uh, just kind of give you an idea of where everybody ranks on road courses kyle bush and martin truex each have four wins chase elliott has three you mentioned kevin harvick only has two and then clint boyer denny hamlin jimmy johnson joey logano kurt bush and ryan blaney all have one and while most of the NASCAR Cup Series races on the 2020 schedule focus on turning left. Again, this weekend, the competitors will have to overcome that by not only turning left and right, but also making their first laps ever on the famous 3.61 mile, 14 turn Daytona International Speedway road courses. Of the drivers entered this weekend, 10 have previous wins on the road courses. We talked about Joe Gibbs racing teammates Kyle Busch with two at Sonoma and Watkins Glen of two. Martin Truex's came at Sonoma with three and Watkins Glen with one as they lead that group. And to talk about Hendrick Motorsports driver Chase Elliott. Now, he's the most recent Cup Series winner on a road course, taking the checkered flag at two of the three road courses on the 2019 schedule, Watkins Glen International, as well as the Charlotte, Roval, Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval. So them and Blaney, I think, are two you've got to really kind of keep your eye on having won at the Roval at Charlotte.
0: Yes, indeed. Now, before I move on to the next topic, I will say there are only four races left in the Cup Series regular season, so time really is running out uh, for a lot of these drivers. Ten drivers have clinched their spot on wins. Kevin Harvick, of course, with six. Danny Hamlin with five. Brad Keselowski with three. uh, Joey Logano has two. Ryan Blaney won, Chase Elliott won, Martin Truex won, Alex Bowman, Austin Dillon, and Cole Custer all with one win. Those drivers are moving on to the playoffs. Okay, now i um, trying to see if we can split this up a little bit. Daytona Road Course welcomes the NASCAR Cup Series. For the first time, the Cup Series is racing on that road course in the inaugural Go Bowling 235 2.35 uh, at 3 o'clock on Sunday. The Daytona International Speedway road course has been measured, again, at 3.61 miles, and competitors have to navigate through 14 turns, including the newly added chicane on the front stretch between turn four and the trioval. This weekend's Go Bowling 235 will be 65 laps and broken up into three stages. Over the course of its 71-year history, 1949 to 2020, the NASCAR Cup Series has held 129 road course races among 11 different tracks. The Daytona Road Course will be the 12th different road course that the series has competed on. Riverside International Raceway has hosted the series' most road course events at 48, followed by Watkins Glen International with 37 and Sonoma Raceway with 31. The 129 Cup Series road course races have produced 52 different winners, led by NASCAR Hall of Famers Jeff Gordon with nine victories. Sonoma, five wins, Watkins Glen, four. Tony Stewart has eight. It was Sonoma, three wins, Watkins Glen, five. NASCAR Hall of Famer Bobby Allison holds the NASCAR Cup Series record, For the most wins on a single road course, excuse me, with six victories at Riverside International Speedway 1971, 73, 75, 79, and 1981, a sweep. While this will be NASCAR's Cup Series first visit on the road course, the iconic layout that has been home of the Rolex 24 at Daytona. North America's premier sports car race since 1962. Most of the NASCAR Cup Series field will be making their track debuts this weekend, but 10 active drivers entered this week have some experience competing in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship events on the Daytona Road Course, the Rolex 24 at Daytona and the Paul Revere 250. Hendrick Motorsports driver and seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion, Jimmy Johnson has made seven Rolex 24 starts, posting a career-best finish of runner-up in 2005 and 2008. The only other driver with that much experience on the Daytona Road course is front-row motorsports Michael McDowell, who also made seven starts in the Rolex 24, posting a best finish of third in 2012. But of the 10 active NASCAR drivers with the Daytona Road Course starts, only one has ever won at the Fame Track, and that would be Brendan Gone. He finished 12th overall and won the Rolex 24 in the Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge class in 2011. The reigning Cup Series champion Kyle Busch is the most recent to compete on the Road Course. He drove a GTD class Toyota Lexus. RCF in the 2020 Rolex 24. He finished 26th overall and 9th in class. So 10 active drivers entered this weekend with previous starts in the series. Uh, and some of the names on this list we've mentioned, Jimmy Johnson, Michael McDowell, James Davidson, Kyle Busch, Kurt Bush, Kevin Harvick, Clint Boyer, Matt Kenseth, Timmy Hill, and Brendan gone, So we gave you the highlights already for uh, some of those drivers with the most experience at that track. So, Jay, we've got a few minutes left here. Let's go over our picks for the fantasy group for our fan for racing crew.
2: All
1: right, for the Cup Series, uh, I had to wait a little bit on this one. Uh Sharon went right out the gate with Kevin Harvick, been the strongest or one of the strongest all year. Uh, obviously not a bad pick at all. Owen, we mentioned him there, apparently did a little bit of research ahead of time. He went with Michael McDowell. Sam went with Chase Elliott. That's who I was kind of looking at, followed by James, who took Martin Truix, who was my second pick to look at. So that left me with, and uh, this kind of surprised me, of the statistics-wise, Alex Bowman. So I went with Alex Bowman. Mike went with his team favorite, but really could be the surprise, uh, Matt B. Denebeto. Excuse me. And Andy followed that with Kyle Busch. A couple that I think, like I said earlier, Ryan Blaney having won the the inaugural event at Roval I think might be one that gets overlooked. And we mentioned uh, several here that you know have the experience on the track it is an unknown it's going to be wild so i don't know if we even have the race winning pick out of our seven top picks there for for this weekend
0: right i know one of the big picks uh for this weekend has been chase elliott in the number nine for hendrick motorsports uh real quick let's listen to some of his audio uh before this race
4: Hello, Chase, can you hear us? Hello. Hello. All right, thank you for joining us this afternoon.
3: Yeah, no problem.
4: We appreciate it. We're going to go ahead and get started with questions. I know we have um, about 15 minutes with you, so we're going to roll through as many questions as we can, and we're going to kick off with Bob Parker. Bob, go ahead with your first question.
6: Yeah, Chase, a lot of the chatter is what's wrong with Chase Elliott, but you have three straight top tens. So are you struggling or
3: not? Um, Well, hey, at least there's chatter about us. Um, I guess that's better than not. Um, Yeah, I I think we're struggling a little bit for sure. You know, I I, I think on on one hand, um, I think historically the Pocono Indy – Kentucky-Texas tracks have been, uh, I would say, historically poor for me personally. Um, maybe not from a from a stat sheet or, or whatever uh, in, in some cases, but, but I, I think those tracks have been a problem a little bit in the past, so not as surprised um, to struggle with those places. Um, but certainly I thought we would do a little better at, at kansas and thought we would be maybe a little better at Michigan. I mean, I feel like our, our success came early there at Michigan. We had some really good runs there in my rookie year and then, then that second year. Um, but really since then, I feel like we've, we've even struggled there. So, so yes, I do. I, I think we're not performing as we should, um, not performing as we expect, not performing to our full potential. Um, you know, whether that's me or, or whatever it is, um, I, I certainly expect more of – more of all of us, myself included, so
0: um,
3: yes, I I think we're all
0: Okay, interesting that uh, he says that they are not quite on their game this year.
1: Well, that's one we look at and talk about with several drivers. Once they set the the bar at a certain point, you know, talked about coming off three straight top ten, you know, that's not where they want to be. They want to be winning races, which they're capable, capable of and have shown so, so Uh, I I don't know that I would say of of having a bad season or whatever, but they're certainly not, like he mentioned, living up to their full potential or where they want to be at.
0: Yes, and and apparently they're very much aware of that, and I'm sure they're doing everything they can to get back on track. It is now at the top of the hour, and that means that it is time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew, and joining us is Mike Orzel. Hello! All right. Uh, Mike, we'll let you go ahead and kick us off on ask our Hot Topic sound off tonight. What's our first Hot Topic?
5: Okay, so a couple of episodes ago, we talked about a big penalty against uh, Alex DeBay and uh, his team for participating in an SCCA-sanctioned event at the Daytona Road Course. Uh, You'll remember that NASCAR had put a a moratorium on any sort of testing or practice at the facility, but the team seemed to have found a loophole by participating in that SCCA event. Well, NASCAR took them off the track, and the team uh, got a pretty hefty penalty, uh, LeBay and uh, DG and his team received a 75-point penalty each for driver and owner points, as well as a big fine, $50,000 fine, for team owner Mario Gosling. They appealed that penalty, and that, uh, that appeal was granted today, so that team will no longer be penalized for participating in that SCCA event, meaning LeBay will be able to participate in the race this weekend, and there will be no further penalty against that team.
0: Yeah, that penalty was rescinded, Jay. So what are your thoughts?
1: Well, when we when we talked about this, um, I was on that side of I thought that seemed like kind of a harsh one, whether or not they should even be penalized. And, again, I didn't have the memo or whatever teams were sent as far as it restricted their involvement on the Daytona road course. From my understanding, interpretation of what information I had access to, they just couldn't participate in any of the NASCAR's top 4 series races. And testing again a in this case Xfinity series car, I know they modified that Xfinity series car to meet the SC whatever Mike said there, the SEA Transam series. So, yeah, it was a very gray area borderline, but I think what from my understanding what the rule was, black and white that they didn't violate the rule because it was set up as a another class car really close in the situation. I understand NASCAR, not liking it, but I didn't feel they could penalize them for it. Like Mike said, they kind of find found a loophole to get around it. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm a big, in big favor of that, but I don't think that NASCAR could penalize them for that, especially not to the degree degree that they did, uh, as it was a pretty hefty penalty, uh, that was going to t- that they were giving to them. So I do like the fact that they won the appeal, and I think effective immediately. NASCAR, I'm sure, has changed the wording in their rules, and this won't <laughs> happen again. Um, so moving forward, like I said, I, I think that the appeal process in this case, I know the uh, LeBay team put out a statement on that, that the appeal process works, and I think in this case, they had a right to appeal it and not be penalized. Um, uh, you know, again, don't ever do it again, because I'm sure it is a r- different written rule now.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I, I think the penalty was stiff. However, the way it was worded and the way it was presented is that they were to have asked for prior permission before taking part in that event. That's what I had based my opinion on is the word required. Permission was not, get, was not asked for. So um, I guess in some cases it's better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission, and that's what they ran with. And uh, the appeals committee, uh, three people on that committee, did rescind the penalty, and so they they are going to be able to uh, continue racing without uh, that. I think part of it wasn't a part of it, a four-race race Suspension or something for the crew chief as well uh I kind of recalled something like that because he did continue to race while the appeal was uh put into place uh until that appeal was heard and and ruled upon so anyway it it's good that the appeal process is in place uh they obviously have more information than we have we're We're shooting uh from the hip with what information we do have. And uh, for me, the word required permission was a big deal. So I don't know if that still is a requirement or if that was simply used uh, in their verbiage uh, to kind of make their point or how that plays out. But uh, uh, I'm glad that the process works, and I'm glad that uh, Alex LeBay is going to continue to go racing. But I I do think, let me just add this, I do think that there was an intent um, for NASCAR that, uh, you're right, they did find a loophole. The intent was for nobody to have an advantage by racing an Xfinity Series car on that road course prior to the event. And uh, NASCAR did make it clear Although they did not necessarily make it clear that it was all series and not just the series that NASCAR runs, so that's that's where they found a loophole and that's where they were able to, uh, excuse me, move forward with this. So, Mike, I'm curious to know your thoughts.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure.
5: And obviously, uh, the appeals panel hasn't put out any sort of reasoning for why they granted the appeal. But I know in general proportionality also comes into play whether or not an appeal is granted. So it may not even so much have been a uh, acknowledgement that the team didn't break a rule. It may have been that the, uh, the panel viewed that the penalty was disproportionately harsh. Um, I don't think there's any sort of a negotiation process. But I can't help but wonder if NASCAR just said, well. LeBay can't participate in the Daytona race, and that's that. I'm not sure if that would have been a, a, a successful as successful an appeal attempt if it hadn't been as harsh of a penalty.
0: Okay, Jay, any follow
1: up? From my understanding, on that, that that um, the appeal the appeal panel can uphold it, reduce it, or eliminate any yeah. and all parts of it. So. I do believe they could have said, hey, it's only worth a 25-point penalty or, you know, whatever X number of races suspended, you know, if they reduce it down to two. So I do think they have that authority. I think that they said black and white, whether your intent was to keep them off the track or not, black and white, by the rule, they didn't violate testing an Xfinity Series car in its style, Uh, And again, I I can't go in that depth because I don't know exactly how their rule is written, but uh, they said, hey, yes, they were probably skirting the edge of it, but it was designed as a Trans Am series car, had some modifications to it, whatever, so it's not an Xfinity series style car anymore, they're using an Xfinity style car in another modification, so I think they said you really can't apply this rule to it because they didn't test it as an Xfinity car, (laughs)
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to just stand on what I've already said. Uh, It is true that NASCAR can uh, reduce, or the penalty, the uh, appeals board can reduce the penalty, or uh, you know, give them something different if they felt that there was a rule violated. But in this case, they totally rescinded it, which tells me that they didn't feel that there was uh, a penalty uh deserving uh there was no uh, rule in place that would uh put that penalty in place. So that's the only thing I have to add. Mike?
5: Yeah, it's kinda of interesting to see and the other big thing on this one is with the removal of that 75-point driver penalty, Alex Obey moves back into the 16th spot in Xfinity Series points. Now, given that they don't have a 16-car playoff like the Cup Series does, he's still on the outside looking in. But now he's back within at least mathematical striking distance of pointing his way into the Xfinity Series playoffs whereas if they had helped held that points penalty, they would most likely have put, in, put LeBay in only a must-win situation in order to get into the playoffs. So it's a big implication for that team beyond just being able to participate this weekend.
0: Yes, indeed. Okay, uh, Jay, what's going to be your hot topic
1: well, it's kind of a follow-up on one we've we've seen over the past couple of weeks uh, referencing Bubba Wallace and where he's going to race next year. Obviously, he is going to be in the Cup Series, as he's had several uh, dry, uh, offers, one being to stay at Richard Petty Motorsports a, with an increase in pay as well as ownership stake. The other highlighted one is Penn and Chip Canassi Racing. Something I read today, and kind of a shame that we as a group didn't come with this, but... When we talk about the Chip Ganassi Racing Team, when Kyle Larson was suspended and they brought in Matt Kenseth, everybody wanted to know why Ross Chastain didn't move up as he, as a Chip Ganassi Racing driver, um, still has a contract with them. If they're looking for Bubba Wallace, where does that leave Chastain?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, Mike? Mike?
5: Yeah, that's ab- absolutely a very good question. Um, as Jay said, Ross Chastain, to my understanding, is still under contract with Chip Ganassi Racing. I think the reason that they didn't move him up to the Cup Series in the middle of the season is because Ross is committed to running a full series for the championship in the Xfinity Series. Uh, with colleague racing, I don't think he, I don't think either party wanted to just uh, take Ross out of that situation, even if it meant moving up to a competitive Cup ride. But as far as the 2021 season, I don't think anyone thinks Matt Kenseth is a long-term solution for Chip Ganassi Racing. Um, so that 42 car is obviously a, a question mark going into the 2021 season. Um, if they're looking at putting Bubba Wallace in that car, that raises the question of, well, what what's going on with Ross Chastain? Now the one car with Kurt Busch. Kurt hasn't said anything about moving on, or at least not anything recent. But in in the past, Kurt has talked about wanting to maybe get into sports car racing and on the IMSA side or some of the other sports car racing series while he still has some of his prime racing years left in him. So there's a potential that uh, Ross Chastain could end up in the one car, if not in the 2021 season, maybe the 2022 season, as Kurt Busch possibly transitions to a different discipline of racing.
0: Okay. Yeah, I I think it's very interesting that uh, uh, Ross-Testane, uh, there's probably good reasons for why Ross-Testane Ross did not get that ride, and why they brought Matt Kenseth up there. Uh, and, and you brought up some good reasons, uh, Jay, in that. But uh, I think it is interesting that they're looking at putting um, uh, Bubba Wallace into that 42 seat Uh, Vacated by Kyle Larson Who was let go because of Using a racial slur So Are they trying to make amends I don't know But uh, uh, It's very interesting I know that he got a new sponsor uh, This week in Columbia Sportswear as well And uh, so that brought up The question of whether or not uh, That means that he's staying With RPM Uh, I've heard uh, different uh, versions of this, that if he does go to uh, Chip Ganassi Racing, uh, maybe he would take that sponsorship with him. If he stays at RPM, of course, uh, it would stay with RPM. But uh, it it is interesting how this is all playing out and uh, how a lot of this news is rolling out. Uh, because it, it, with each little piece that comes out, it kind of puts more questions out there than answers. Uh, so it's it's an interesting scenario for sure. Um, Mike or, or Jay, your thoughts?
1: Well, first off, I want to say it appears to me, and I know he, he said he's weighing his options, and I understand that as he well should, of whether or not Ganassi is a better option and, and ride for him. Uh, but also of, of what they're building and where Richard Petty Sport, Motorsports is at and going to in the future. But with the sponsorship deals you've mentioned, uh, Columbia uh, being one of them, and some other things he's kind of referenced, uh, it seems to me that his intent or direction is to stay at Richard Petty Motorsports. So that goes back to then of does that mean Ross Jastain is second up on the list of Ganassi? Or like Mike pointed out, that's kind of where my mind went, was – what about Kurt Busch and that number one team as we haven't heard a whole lot from them um, as far as long-term. So, you know, he mentioned Kurt Busch has expressed interest in doing some other racing. Uh, I believe signed again a one-year contract, which we know that kind of leaves that door open. So, And I also then wonder where Chastain's name falls on the list of any other teams that are looking, such as the 48 of Hendrick Motorsports, whether or not they could bring him in. And I think it does have to do with sponsorship already there or that want a particular driver. You mentioned uh, McDonald's on the 42 team as well as the 43 team with Bubba Wallace. And that tie there, I don't know if Ross Chastain brings any particular sponsors with him or that want to be connected to him. So I think that could be a factor as well.
0: Mike, follow-up?
5: Yeah, I think Ross Chastain has nutrient AG that's, uh, that's somewhat tied to him, but I'm not sure if they would bring cup-level money to the table. Um, the other thing to look at, though, is the performance of Ross Chastain in the Xfinity Series. I think he was a hotter prospect last year going into this season than he is at this point uh, in 2020 um, just because of his performance on the track. He hasn't been bad by any stretch, but last year it seemed like he would win whenever he'd get into a car and for whatever reason, I think he's fallen behind his colleague racing teammates so in the Xfinity Series. Uh, we've seen Justin Haley be more consistently successful, and also part-time driver A.J. Almendinger has also been more successful in college equipment than Ross Chastain has been. So he may end up uh, in kind of a wait-and-see status here in the Xfinity Series as to whether he is actually ready to move up to a top-level cup ride.
0: Okay. Um, I don't have anything to add, Jay. Your thoughts?
1: Well, and, and if it if it is in in the number one car, maybe Kurt Busch does have one more left, one more year left to do there. Again, I don't know their exact contract situation. That maybe uh, Chastain does one more year in the Xfinity before moving up with them. Um, see if this Bubba Wallace deal with Chip Ganassi plays out. Then it would be back to does Kenseth come back? And we've seen. That team as well, uh, you know where it was running at with Kyle Larson prior to his departure, Kenseth coming in, having a couple of good races, but hasn't quite been on par since then. And I know we talked about that as far as then him not wanting particularly to use Kyle Larson's setup, so they're trying to adjust to develop a, a setup for Matt Kenseth. Um, so that leaves them in a boat. Do they want to continue to build on that through next year? I mean, I think Matt, if he so chooses, uh, again, I don't know uh, what his desires are um, to come back and run another full full year. Uh, I don't believe he was quite ready to leave the sport when he did from Joe Gibbs Racing, as we've seen him come back part time with Roush Fenway, and then finish out the year this year. So I can see him staying with Kenseth for another year or two. Like, it, not that testing needs more development in the Xfinity Series, but like Mike said, maybe establish a little more more consistency. We've seen it with Cole Custer. Winning one race a year, they said, no, we want you winning multiple races a year. Briscoe said he felt like he had to win eight this year in order to prove himself in in order to move up. So maybe that's what Ganassi is looking at from Chastain, and we haven't seen that this year.
0: Okay. Okay, Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our next topic here. Aspire Motorsports was rumored to be the organization that would take over Levine Family Racing. Well, they made that official on Tuesday this week. Uh, and they, as part of their agreement, uh, they are acquiring LFR's, Levine Family Racing's NASCAR charter, the team's race shop, and all-owned inventory. As a technical partner of Joe Gibbs Racing, LFR's current fleet of vehicles and chassis will all be returned to Joe Gibbs Racing upon completion of this season. Now, Spire Motorsports also said that they are expanding to a two-car operation in 2021 and will relocate to LFR's existing race shop in Concord, North Carolina. So, um, just some interesting news there. Uh, Over the 2019 and 2020 seasons, uh, Spire Motorsports has logged 58 starts on the circuit, on the senior circuit. uh, They provided an entry for over a dozen drivers and uh, details surrounding the drivers for that 2021 season will be shared uh, as that information becomes available. But, Spire Motorsports was established in 2018. It's co-owned by longtime NASCAR industry executives Jeff Dickerson and Thaddeus T.J. Uh, Poocher. And in, in just the team's first season, Spire Motorsports earned an upset victory for the ages last July when Justin Haley took the checkered flag in the Coke Zero Sugar to at Daytona International Speedway. Just to give you a little better background on who Spire Motorsports is, what are your guys' thoughts about uh, this uh, purchase? So, Mike, we'll start with you.
5: As much as I'd like to be optimistic about Spire's future and, and their growth in the sport, I'm, I'm concerned that it's just basically a purchase of a charter for the purpose of having a charter and, and getting the revenue sharing from there, at least for the short-term future. I, hopefully, they can develop the team into becoming a, a contender. Um, but right now, I don't expect the 95 team or whatever that, that charter is to become for next year with Spire Motorsports. I think at least for the foreseeable future, we're going to end up losing a competitive car for the season as opposed to gaining another one. Um, I know it's kind of a down or kind of negative on it, but based on the performance of Spire, that one win notwithstanding, I don't expect them to be a, a front runner, uh, at least uh, for the 2021 season.
0: For, for one car or for two cars?
5: For either car. Um, I have the 77 okay. car. Like you said, they had the, the one win at Daytona, um, and the 95 or, or, you know, if they end up renumbering the chart or whatever the 95 car becomes, I'm willing to bet they're going to be racing for for a top 30 versus racing for top 10s like they are right now or this year.
0: Okay, with both cars. So, okay, Jay, your thoughts.
1: Well, this is one where I guess I got to fill Mike's role. Um, yeah, I don't see it as a, as a huge positive. I like expansion, but it's not like they were an up and coming team. I know they got that win, um, which obviously gives them the recognition. We'll see what they get for our sponsors, but in order to to sell it, they got to have a big time sponsor bigger than what they got. And I know that team is putting some money into it and they have plans for growth. And I hope that this is a, a building stage, uh, for them having that team, as far as a charter team, that's obviously going to bring in a little bit more money, um, on the, the system that NASCAR has set up, but bringing in full-time drivers, uh, you know, we've seen this at the Xfinity series level. It kind of works when you have the part-time rides, uh, multiple drivers throughout a season, but that's from top organizations on a lower tier team like this. You need to have a full-time driver, full-time sponsor of some sort in order to truly progress. And what we've seen already looks like, you know, majority of the assets themselves going to go back to Joe Gibbs racing. So it's not like they can even build off of what Levine family racing has built over the past two to three years. They're just buying the, Machine or the shop and the machine and the equipment or whatever they're not getting those cars necessarily, so it's not like they can build off of that. Um, I think it is a team that would take and would need to take an alliance with whether it be Joe Gibbs Racing or not, Richard Childress, and I don't even know what manufacturer they run. So, um, but find that alliance to okay. So then it'd be Richard Childress or Hendrick Motorsports or Chip Ganassi um, to build that up. So. That would be my positive to try and pull out of it is that, okay, they are expanding, which I know a lot of times they say, having two cars, three cars, four cars out there helps because you have that much more knowledge. Um, and that then, like I said, attracting a sponsor and or a driver, at least one full-time solid driver, matter of what driver is going to be willing to step in there and take a go at it. We've seen Clint Boyer go through that. Thought that it was a solid team on the uprise, and he struggled with it and was not happy. So uh, it's going to be a tough situation. Do hope for the best that that they are in that building stage, and this is stage two or three out of ten? That it's still going to take some time, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely it will. And I agree. I don't see them being a, a top tier team uh, right out of the get go. Uh, not only are they acquiring the car from LFR, uh, but they have their own car, which is making it a two-car operation. Um, But the fact that they're returning uh, all of the current fleet of vehicles and chassis going back to Joe Gibbs Racing kind of tells me that they're probably not going to be affiliated uh, Toyota-wise. They're probably going to be affiliated either through Chevy or Ford. Uh, and it says It does say driver and manufacturers For the 2021 season Will be shared as that information Becomes available because As, as we all know there's been talk about Another uh, sponsorship Not sponsorship but Manufacturer coming into the sport Maybe not as soon as 2021 But perhaps somewhere Down the road so that's something That might play into uh, All of this as well But um, yeah, it's it's sad to see an organization fold. Uh, I'm glad that Spiral Motorsports is able to take over uh, the charter. Uh, basically, that's what they're getting from all of this, as well as all of the inventory from the shop um, that's going to help them, and they're going to relocate to that shop, so it gives them, I guess, a bigger place to work from, but um, I, I'm Uh, At least we're not losing that car. Uh, That car will still be racing, and uh, uh, we'll see how they continue to progress. We have seen new organizations come into the sport and do very, very well. I think colleague racing is one of those, Um, and and you never know what can happen in that 2021 season. Uh, I wish the best for them, but... uh, uh, right now, I'd have to say they're probably going to be a mid-pack team at best. So, Mike, your follow-up.
5: Yeah, I agree. I think uh, they're they're kind of more along the Rick Ware Racing business model. And there's Inherently, there's nothing wrong with it. And they're going to be on the same racetrack during the same events as teams like Joe Gibbs Racing or Hendrick Motorsports. But teams like Spire, Rick Ware Racing, et cetera, they're in kind of a different business there. Um, The drivers who drive those cars tend to pay the team in order to do it. So that's one way the team makes money. Obviously, the charter is huge because of the revenue sharing that comes along with that, as well as the guaranteed entry into every single NASCAR Cup Series race. So there's nothing inherently wrong with their business model. But as race fans, obviously, we want to see as many competitive cars as we possibly can. But at the end of the day, it is a business. And... These teams probably understand that they don't have the financial resources, nor are they realistically within striking distance of those resources to think about being competitive against some of the elite teams in NASCAR. But at least they're participating in the sport and keeping the field somewhat viable as opposed to trying to cut it down to a 20-car field like, unfortunately, we're seeing with some of the ARCA Series races.
0: Okay, Jay, before we go on to you for your follow-up, I, I'm going to ahead, go ahead and uh, do my spiel here. We're going to go off the air yep. right at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, although we will continue recording as our conversation continues on Hot Topic sound off here. If you've listened up to... Uh, Uh, To the live broadcast tonight All you have to do is uh, When I go out on Twitter To announce that the podcast is now available You'll be able to fast forward To the two hour mark To hear the rest of this conversation As part of our bonus overtime material On the podcast Uh, Podcast listeners will be able to listen Straight through We like to do this spiel at this time of the night Just so nobody is caught off guard By the fact that we go off the air In mid-sentence uh, we want you to understand that we are continuing that conversation as part of the bonus overtime material on the podcast. So uh, with that said, uh, we'll go ahead and move on to Jay for his follow-up.
1: Well, the, the thing that, and, and I don't know what it takes as far as even being a, a mid-pack uh, competitive team at the, at the Cup Series, we've seen a couple that we anticipated or thought should move up, I mean, and just haven't. I talk about Junior Motorsports. Uh, GMS Racing, there was at one time talk about them moving up um, to the Cup Series under a partnership or alliance with Hendrick Motorsports. And they have chosen not to. And the one I look at in the Xfinity Series that what we've seen them build, at least in that division, is College Racing, we mentioned, uh, where they've gone over the past three to five years, if even that long, specifically the last three. So we know that those stages can be built. You know, Spire Motorsports has said, Hey, we're going to do it at the top level. And like I said, are taking those steps and appear to be at least attempting to progress in a good direction. So, you know, I'm with you guys. I hope that it does work, work out for them, but I I think it's one that's going to take time. I I just don't see it even in say two to three years, uh, unless something huge comes in a manufacturer and they put some support behind it, a big time sponsor, Again, to get the driver, you really got to have the sponsor and the competitive car so that they're they're willing to. Um, so we'll have to see how it plays out. I do hope it does work out for them. And you know, again, getting that occasional win like they they have, uh, whether it be on the super speedway or road course, you know, what road course like this weekend, um, gets them that recognition and they can build off of that.
0: Absolutely, um, and I don't have anything more to say on it, Mike.
5: Yeah, it's wait and see, especially with the uh, the big wild card coming as a Gen 7 car for the 2022 season. I think that's going to be a seismic shift in the uh, in the sport, especially if it involves bringing in new manufacturers. You might see a, a new manufacturer, uh, whether it be Acura. I know we've talked about Honda slash Acura te- uh, teaming up with a big team like Team Penske, but. There's also these teams that have these charters and nowhere to go but up where you might see a new manufacturer grab a team like Spire Motorsports and now BMW, for example, enters the sport as a factory-supported partner with Spire Motorsports. Obviously, I'm just kind of pulling that out of the blue. I've I've seen nothing Mm -hmm. that indicates that BMW may enter the sport. But just as an example, you do have kind of a blank slate with a lot of upshots when you have a team that is in sole possession of two charters that they own, not leased, but owned in-house, where a manufacturer could come in and say, we want to enter this sport and we're going to enter it with this two-car team that already exists and kind of knows their way around the garage.
0: right. And I should have clarified, Mike, I was looking to you for the next hot topic. (laughs) I didn't clarify that very well.
5: Okay. Well, i got another hot topic for you then, too um obviously we've been belly aching about about rain delay rain delay rain delay i tell you what i am doing the hardest rain dance i've ever done for this weekend here <laughs> um, the uh, the Cup Series, the Cup Series, they're bringing the rain tires to Daytona. Uh, they've also installed lights in the infield. Uh, they have said they will race at the track so long as there's not rain to the point where there's standing water across the racing surface, and obviously has to have uh, not have lightning within the I think it's the eight mile boundary around the track. So long as those conditions are met, they will race the, uh, the races in the rain on race uh, rain tires. Uh, We've seen the Xfinity Series races recently, as last week at Road America, they had a brief rain period during that race, Um, and there's also been several other Xfinity Series races run in the rain, but to date, there has not been a Cup Series race that has been run in the rain. There's been a couple practice and qualifying sessions in the rain, but that's about it. So there's a 58% chance of rain forecast for Sunday at Daytona, and we know it's mid-afternoon in the summer in Florida, so you know, roll the dice, flip a coin, and if it's not raining now, it'll probably rain in 20 minutes. Anyway and then it'll be just, uh, sunny again But there's a good chance we will see cut cars On rain tires racing at a brand new Road course in the rain
0: Yeah the rain's Okay let's just hope the lightning Stays away because Lightning will delay it if it's Within 10 miles of the track um, Right Jay
1: Alright I, I don't know if you can hear Me go pfft over the radio Or not but um, <laughs> I like I like the fact that NASCAR went to the capability to use wet weather rain tires and run in the rain if necessary, but I do not want to see it, especially at Daytona, a new road course. These drivers haven't even been on the track, most of them. It's a super speedway. So that comes into play differently than at a a different road course track. It is a flatter and whatnot. Uh, We've talked about so many different wild cards already going into this weekend, I think the rain would just be too much. You know, if they do this and repeat it three or four years, they got experience on the track and everything else, then maybe throw in that rain, cur- rain uh, as a curve wall, but uh, not out the gate like this. I, I, Again, I like the fact that they no longer have to cancel it if it rains, but I'm not going to root for it just to see it. I think it could possibly have already be a demo derby style, and that's just going to make it a muddy demo derby style. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we heard A.J. Allmendinger say it's not that hard of a track to learn uh, because it really is just that one section uh, between the tri-oval and turn one where they have the road course part, with the exception of maybe the the two chicanes. Um, I'm kind of somewhere down the middle here. I, I enjoyed watching the uh Xfinity series Race in the Rain at Road America. But Jay's right, they've got a lot more experience at that track. Uh they know what to expect and uh they're not on old habits, if you will, on that track, uh, so that's gonna kinda give it a different element. Uh, that you're going to see at Daytona So I I don't know that I am as excited To see them race in the rain at Daytona As I was at Road America um, And we'll, we'll have to kind of see How the how the weekend plays out We'll start with the Arkham and Art Series uh, to, They'll be the very first ones out on the track uh, And I'm sure everybody's going to be watching every race uh, to see what happens in all of these cars and what they can learn from what happens from all of these cars uh, that are going to be racing over the weekend. Um, but um, I, I just think it's uh, it's a little riskier, uh, for sure, for these guys to be out there on the track in rain, on a track that they've never raced on before. And there's more drivers that haven't raced this track before than there are those drivers who have. So I think that's a good point, Jay. Mike, follow up.
5: Well, I'm glad you said you're recording this because now we've got it on tape. Where we've reached the point where Jay, Professor Chaos Hoosman, has reached his threshold where there would be too much chaos. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not taking the green flag under under rain conditions. But I will. I got to say, the most fun race that I think I've ever watched was the 2016 Mid Ohio Xfinity Series race, where it was just. Downpouring most of the race And it was extremely Entertaining to watch You got to see Justin Marks get his first win Because there was so much of a wild card Thrown in there with the rain Um, So that race was Incredibly fun to watch I get what you guys are saying about So many different variables in play But at some point you get so many variables What's one more? Come on
0: (laughs) Might as well get wild and crazy Right?
5: Well,
0: wet weather.
1: <laughs> you Yeah, there there you go. And, and I wouldn't dispute what Mike's saying. I mean, when it, when they do have to go to the rain um and switch the tires and I was at the 2014 rain uh at Elkhart Lake at Road America and the strategies that come into play and then as it dried up watching teams that uh switch back to the slicks and ones that didn't and and how that affects but like I said, that is a designed road course. You're talking about being on a super speedway, and that's why they've never even considered doing rain, rain tires on a super speedway. And I know this is the road course, but you're still using a portion of that super speedway, and you're talking about safety of the drivers at that point as well. Uh, you know, you go off off a, in the rain on a road course. they got the tire barriers and everything else. Yeah, you go off that's sliding that's nice. off into the corner at Daytona, Uh, You know, you're talking about some high speeds, high possibility of some serious wrecks. So that's where I say that, especially for first time on the course, it'd it'd just be too much Uh, down the road. You know, maybe I'd be one kind of thinking maybe rain um, for during that. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how this road course on the high speed of Daytona plays out by itself to begin with.
0: Yeah, you bring up a good point. The high banks of Daytona—I've been on those inclines before, as I'm sure you guys have too. Uh, I can't imagine uh, how that's going to go. And I know the IMSA cars have raced on in the rain at Daytona on the road course, uh, but those high banks are a lot different uh, racing in the rain than than a flat flatter uh, road course that is typical of a road course uh, would be. So uh, I think that's a really great point, and and, uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. It's going to be interesting. Uh, It's going to be wild, and it is going to be crazy. (laughs) And and who knows if we'll get any rain or not, but uh, I'm glad they're prepared to, to race in the rain if it comes to that. Mike.
5: Yeah, the other thing that uh, kind of surprised me, the rain tires thing didn't surprise me. Obviously, that's, uh, that's been a contingency that NASCAR's had in place for road courses for a while. The thing that really surprised me, though, is they did say they're bringing in temporary lighting units to light the infield portion of the track. Obviously, the oval portion of Daytona has had lights for going on 15 years now, but the infield road course hasn't. The IMSA cars have lights built into the cars that they use during the night portion of the 24 hour race and the cars are what's illuminating their own way around the racetrack. Obviously NASCAR stock cars and trucks don't have those on there. So that the fact that NASCAR is making provision to continue running that race in the dark, um, it kind of surprised me to be honest because it looks like it's a small portion of the track when you look at the overall map, but that's only because Daytona is a big facility. That infield road course is not a small area geographically, so it's, t- it's going to take a significant amount of lighting units in order to light that safely for guys to race that uh, in cars that don't have built-in lights and to do it safely in the dark like that. So I applaud NASCAR for, for putting in the logistical effort to ensure that we can get this race in as scheduled.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, Um, I think uh, we've gone around the horn on that one. Uh, Jay, how about you?
1: All right, well, we've talked about wanting to see some NASCAR driver involvement. Uh, I know he's not a current driver, but he is a NASCAR Cup-level champion, 2002, I believe. Bobby Labonte going to be part of the SRX field with Tony Stewart, Paul Tracy, and Tony Kanaan.
0: Okay, Mike, your thoughts?
5: Yeah, I saw that earlier this week. Um, Bobby Labonte participated in the the NASCAR iRacing Pro Invitational Series. He drove the 19 car uh, because Martin Truex didn't participate in the majority of those events. So we have seen Bobby Labonte participate in some sort of racing recently, and obviously he's been very active with the Fox Broadcasting team. I don't know that anyone really saw him getting into a real race car and racing in SRX. I'm glad to see him back. Um, and it's, it's neat to see SRX getting some of these big names in there. I will say I'm, I'm hoping that the Chase Elliott thing uh, where Chase kind of implied he was going to participate, I hope that does come to fruition uh, because right now SRX is looking a little aged, and if they're trying to attract a younger demographic, they probably do need to start attracting a few younger drivers. I don't know that there's too many race fans who are under the age of maybe 35 who remember even watching Bobby Labonte race, much less competitively.
0: Yeah, I think Bobby Labani is a very good addition to the SRX uh, lineup. And uh I I think you guys are you're bringing up a good point Mike, uh that they probably are going to need some of the younger guys to come in there to kind of pull in a different uh viewing uh population if they if they want to have that. Uh, but I I'm happy with the way it's progressing. At this point uh, I think that uh, the drivers That they're bringing in Are big name drivers Hall of Fame drivers uh, And uh, uh, I think that They're going to add uh, A lot of legitimacy If you will To the series As if uh, Ray Evernham and, and the other people That are involved in this Don't already add A lot of legitimacy uh, Tony Stewart But uh, it's just Bringing in some of these big-name drivers is a big deal. And uh, although I agree that they need some of the younger ones, I'm sure we're going to hear those names down the road here. But a lot of that may come after the season ends, simply because these guys uh, can't make any commitments until they finish out this season, uh, especially if they're playoff contenders. So I would say say that those announcements probably won't come until – A little bit later But we'll see how it plays out Um, uh, I I like this SRX series I'm really looking forward to watching it They say it's only six races For the entire season That disappoints me a little bit Because I would really like to see a lot more uh, Racing in that series But uh, we'll start with six And see where it goes from there I'm sure they're testing the waters To see how it goes Uh, Before they make a commitment to anything more But uh, excited to see this series coming uh, to fruition and, And to be able to watch it next season Mike?
5: Yeah, I think SRX has done it right as far as developing a new series and the way that they've just kind of slow trickled the information. They got people like us talking about them almost every single week. Uh yeah, they're affiliated mm-hmm. with NASCAR just by way of some of the names that they have, but they're not really NASCAR affiliated inherently but they've got a show mm-hmm. like ours that continuously talks NASCAR. Well, hey, we're talking about SRX, and we're we're far from the only venue that's doing so. So the way that they're keeping their series relevant before anyone's actually seen a car, a real car in person, um, has been really, really well done from the marketing standpoint.
0: Jay?
1: Well, I think what, what they're doing right now, as with any, any team, uh, anything you're building, uh, like Mike said, in in the way they're rolling it out, they're, they're taking the, the appropriate lockdown steps. You, you bring in your stars. You know, when you start a team, you start with your all-stars, your solid drivers. Um, I think we've gotten that. I, I believe they're supposed to have, a, or the goal was to have 12 drivers. Um, I think eventually here we are going to see some of these names. And I don't know, again, you guys follow dirt. These are ones I expect to possibly come up or at least should be looked at. And that's Casey Kane. Kyle Larson, Donnie Schatz, Rico, Rico Abreu, um, some that have dirt experience in other styles of cars. You know, Rico Abreu had some truck races under his belt, uh, and I was very upset when he did, wasn't able to continue with that. Went back to midgets, winning again. We've seen that with Kyle Larson. So I think this is what Tony Stewart and Ray Everham were looking at is is another opportunity for drivers to make their name and get their name out there to possibly transition into Cup or Xfinity, NASCAR's top level as well. So I think we'll see some of those names come down. Again, you're starting with the superstars, the names that people already know. Then you bring in the ones they don't know and go, oh, okay, I haven't heard of this guy. We haven't seen this guy. Uh, Just made his start, David Gravel, another one. Uh, I watched a race with him at Cedar Lake and the sprint cars. So I think we're going to see the, the the rest of these that get filled in as ones of what we're looking for versus, like Mike said, I mean, unless you're a long-time NASCAR fan, you may not even remember seeing Bobby Labonte run. You've only seen his name in the record books or whatever. So uh, I think they'll transition into the, these other drivers as they get that locked down. As far as the schedule, uh, you know, Sharon, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, hopefully it does become a bigger series, but you've got to start. You can't. And we just talked about this with Spire Motorsports, coincidentally, but Mm -hmm. you you can't always necessarily start at the top, you know, uh, full bore. So I think with that, again, COVID the way it is, especially dirt tracks in the northern part of the state, you don't even know what kind of commitment you can get. So I think they're smart in doing it that way. You know, next year maybe expand to eight, up to 10, 12 races, you know, years down the road as it
5: builds.
0: Uh, I don't have anything more to say. Mike?
5: No. um, Yeah, obviously the track list and the event list is going to be the next big question mark. Um, With only six races, I think a small schedule like that actually makes it more attractive to other drivers who are currently full-time in other series. You can't ask a current NASCAR Cup Series driver, Chase Elliott, or anybody else for that matter. I use his name just because he's been kind of loosely associated. It's unrealistic to ask Chase Elliott to run a full-time NASCAR Cup Series season in addition to a 25-race SRX season. That's just unrealistic. You're not going to get right. those drivers. So, so keeping it still- narrowed down to that six-event uh, six limit, um, and maybe gradually ramping it up over the years, I think it makes it more accessible for big name current drivers in current other series, uh, can potentially carve off those six events and not have it have a major negative effect on their primary driving responsibilities for their respective series.
0: Good point. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, do we have time for one more here? Mike or Jay?
5: I've got one if uh, if you got time for it.
0: Sure, let's uh put it out there and see
5: so we've already talked about Bubble Wallace landing Columbia Sportswear as a big sponsor and uh, and kind of maybe tipping a hand a little bit as to what's in store for next season. Hendrick Motorsports also had a big sponsorship announcement this week. Acronis, uh, and if I'm mispronouncing the name, I apologize. Acronis mm-hmm. uh, is an Internet security company, um, and they have signed a long-term deal, multi-year deal with Hendrick Motorsports. Um, they're going to sponsor the 88 car starting at Dover this year. And also some of the terms of the deal that were part of the announcement implied that they're going to have a presence on, quote, all four of the Hendrick Motorsports cars going into next season. And that may throw a little bit of cold water on the rumor that Hendrick Motorsports was going to downsize to a three-car organization if now they have a major sponsor announcement that includes saying that they're going to participate with four cars going into next season.
0: Okay. Uh, Jay?
1: Well, um, I mean that is good news. We've seen several several we talked about several just tonight of, of sponsors uh coming in, new sponsors coming in, whether it be on a big team or a uh lower tier team. So that's always good news. One of the things um and I know there's a a little bit of a, a rumor to it being that they they haven't announced a driver, but I never put a whole lot of stock in the fact of seeing Hendrick Motorsports downsized to three. I know we've seen it in the past. We saw uh, Roush Fenway Racing go from five down to two. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I just didn't see it from Hendrick Motorsports. The fact that they didn't announce a driver, or haven't heard a whole lot of rumblings, and what kind of was thought to be Brad Keselowski obviously isn't going to happen. Kind of did put that doubt where you, a person could get led down that path of um, they're not being that fourth team. But I really didn't see it happening, so I think this is kind of a, that reassurance and putting that doubt out. It still leaves that question, though, of who the driver's going to be, uh, which is very intriguing. But as we mentioned, there's some names out there. Eric Jones now out on the, on the um, market. Matt Kenseth, whether or not he comes back for another full term. Uh, Ross Chastain, some of these guys in the Xfinity series, uh, as to whether or not they might, you know, never know. It might be Noah Gregson coming up. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, but uh, I look forward to seeing what they do do with that team, and that's one of those that I, I really I was getting a little nervous by nothing mentioned about a driver, but we've seen Hendrick Motorsports in the past; uh, they survive.
0: Yes, indeed. Um, I think it's a, a good deal. I think uh, it, I think it would be great if uh, Hendrick Motorsports is going to be a four-car team. Uh, For next season Uh, You know, Jimmy Johnson's been Surprisingly quiet About his retirement And I wouldn't be surprised To see him stay For another year uh, Just in light of the fact Of what's been happening uh, With the COVID-19 pandemic And the fact that We're not really able to give him The kind of send-off That we would like to give Especially a seven-time champion uh, in this uh, series so I've got a funny feeling um, and I could be wrong uh, that it's not any other driver coming into that seat except for Jimmy Johnson for that 2020 season I, I, I know that's a little bit of a turn for me because I really thought Jimmy Johnson might be going on to the IndyCar series I, I think he'd be a great fit in the IndyCar series but i also think it would be a good deal if jimmy johnson could have that one more year at hendrick motorsports where he can um uh you know have a good farewell if you will uh for his last year in nascar whether or not that happens it's hard to say Uh, It might be more wishful thinking on my part than anything else. Who knows? But time is going to tell the rest of that story. But I do want to throw out there that the possibility does exist that Jimmy Johnson could stay in that car for yet another year. Mike?
5: Yeah, I I don't think anyone ever wanted to see Hendrick Motorsports downsize. I think the the talk has always been regarding sponsorship. The other question was, will they be able to get the sponsorship in order to make four cars competitively viable? Um, And with a new uh, new partner coming on board, hopefully in a a big way, that makes that four-car option financially viable to the point now where not only can Hendrick Motorsports put four cars on the racetrack every week, but they can have four competitive cars, which to a team like Hendrick Motorsports – I'm sure four competitive cars is far more important than doing four non-competitive cars versus downsizing. So having those four competitive cars out there would be great, not just for Hendrick Motorsports, but for the the sport of NASCAR as a whole. Um, so having that team get the financial backing, I think, is huge, um, but more so more for the sport in general, not just for uh, for one individual team.
0: Jay. Um, Jay.
5: Yeah, it certainly
1: is uh and we've always seen that though of when you look at the the four car teams um it is extremely hard to have them all competitive at least at at the highest level and and we talk about whether all four make the playoffs and I don't even know if you can consider that the top, uh ultimate goal cuz we've seen it whether it be at Hendrick Motorsports it seems like the back in the day Uh, one team was always lagging, whether it be the 25 or at the five at one time, at Joe Gibbs racing. We see it with uh, the 20 machine of Eric Jones in this particular case, but it was in previous years as well. Matt Kenseth made the playoffs, did get a win, but wasn't one of the, what you call championship four. Um, You look at Stuart Haas racing, Kevin Harvick carrying the banner, the other teams, whether they win races or not, aren't at his same level. So, you know, having four very competitive teams. Uh, you look at Hendrick Motorsports, obviously, uh, Chase Elliott having wins, Alex Bowman having won, but I don't think you can say they're all four at the same competitive level. You got William Byron on the outside trying to, uh, or in, on the cutoff bubble um, of even making the playoffs, and Jimmy Johnson as well, and not having had a victory in 180, 170, 180 races. So, um, It'd be interesting, and my mind's spinning because I'm going back to what Sharon said, and, and that's another one of those. There's still that little little question mark, and, and a couple things that add to that, of whether or not Jimmy Johnson would return for another year. Um, I know it was addressed, and he kind of shrugged it off. We saw him do the IndyCar test, and he said how excited he was about that. But we haven't seen anything official that he said, I would not return for another year, being that this year didn't play out, whether it be winning or even a full goodbye year. And coincidentally, Brad Kozlowski only signed a one-year deal over at Penske, so there might be something to that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. The one-year deal with Brad Kozlowski, that may be exactly why it's a one-year deal. Um, So I I just think it's a possibility. Uh, Whether or not it happens – Uh, Well, time's going to have to tell the rest of that story But uh, I think there are some indications uh, that it could happen So um, we'll we'll see how it plays out Mike, any final comments before we do our roundtable?
5: Yeah, um I think Jimmy Johnson coming back is probably a stronger possibility now than it was even maybe a month ago. Uh it's obvious he's not having the uh, the season he was hoping to have for his final season. His sponsors actually come up with a new paint job that's gonna debut, debut this weekend and they're billing it as somewhat of a reset for his uh for his season going into the playoffs. Uh they're changing the color mm-hmm. of the car to white. So obviously they're you know, Jimmy's Jimmy's looking for a send off season. I don't know that is that every driver's ever going to have a ride off into the sunset like Jeff Gordon had, but at least going out and being a threat for a win would be something that Jimmy Johnson would like to have. So I mean, we can throw Darcy to the board and the silly season is going to get sillier before December. That's for sure. Um, but we just really don't know. Um, having a big name like Jimmy Johnson in the sport is huge. There's really not a banner carrier for the sport with the retirements of Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart, and now Jimmy Johnson and Dale Earnhardt Jr. There's, you know, you got Chase Elliott, but he's not at the level where he's going to carry the sport. And non-fans who aren't NASCAR fans, they don't know who Chase Elliott is. They probably don't know who Kyle Kyle Busch is. They all know who Jimmy Johnson is. So keeping, uh, keeping Jimmy Johnson in the car for another year would be great for the sport. Selfishly, as a race fan, I'd like to see it. But at the same time... You know, Jimmy's going to do what Jimmy wants to do. He doesn't have anything to prove to anybody, and if his priority is he wants to go race Indy College or spend time at home with his girls, Jimmy Johnson has earned that right, and he can do whatever he would like to do.
0: Without a doubt. Okay, we're coming up to the top of the hour here. It's time for us to do our roundtable. So, Jay, we'll start with you this time uh, for our roundtable send-off.
2: All right. you
1: will me on... uh... Facebook at Michael Hoosman, mj 8 on Twitter and Instagram, and possibly follow me over to the Talladega Short Track, TST, the Hornet's Nest, for some dirt track racing this weekend, probably going just as a fan. So not, don't get to do that a whole lot. And one thing here I'll do, uh, I know I've done it before, so uh, being that we are doing the round table, put it out there for maybe Monday and see what develops over the re- weekend, but I know I sent this to the group. Adam Stern just put out a tweet, asked about (laughs) industry rumblings that RPM Motorsports is talking to some prospective new investors. Andrew Merstein declined to disclose names, but confirmed that we are talking to a few people who reached out to us about investing the team, investing in the team and acknowledged one is a celebrity. So I don't know what my celebrity status is at, but we'll have to stay tuned on that one and maybe (laughs) talk about it Monday. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
5: okay, uh, Mike Yeah, Mike Orzel on Facebook Mike underscore Orzell on Twitter I am interested to see what the developments In the upcoming Jay Hoosman Cup Announcement is going to be here um, I'll be watching the races this weekend I'm really looking forward to seeing the races On this new Daytona Road Course Unfortunately, I'm probably not going to be in the chat rooms Because I'm going to be watching the races over my shoulder While I'm working underneath the race car all weekend So uh, wish me luck there Hopefully I don't drop a thing on my head And I'll be able to talk to you guys next week
0: yeah, be safe, uh, out there, uh, Mike. We don't want anybody getting hurt. Uh I am uh Fan for Racing on Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio elsewhere, including our website, fan racing dot com. And uh our podcast is going to be available on our player that is at racing dot com. And uh we encourage everybody to come take a look at what we have over there. I will be definitely trying to catch every race I can possibly catch uh, this weekend uh, for the Daytona Road Courses. I'm so excited about the road courses at Daytona and uh, all of the series uh, racing there this weekend. Uh, I'm I'm going to try to catch every single one, if at all possible. Um, And uh, we'll, we'll have the chat room open uh, for those of you that want to take part in the chat room feature, if you go to com in the upper right corner, you'll see FanForRacing chat. If you click on that, a drop-down drop appears. If you go all the way down to the bottom, it's the race day chat that we go into uh, for each of the races over the race weekend. Uh, somebody hopefully will be there uh, throughout the weekend. Uh, but even if we're not there, if if uh, there's a group of people that want to chat about the race and use that chat room, feel free to do so. Um, but uh, hopefully, somebody from our fan for racing crew will be around to be on there uh, throughout the weekend. So, again, everybody have a great weekend of racing. Uh, Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate you taking the time to do so. And uh, thank you to Jay and Mike uh, for being part of our FAMPA Racing crew and co-hosting tonight. Uh, We appreciate all that you do. So with that, we'll call it a wrap, guys. Night, everybody.
1: All right. Good night, Mike. Don't use up all those four-letter words, all right?
0: He signed off already, but <laughs> you can let him know. <laughs> Take care.
3: Have a good weekend.
0: Good night, everybody.